Get it going. It's time to get up. Buffalo knew that Eichel was unhappy. Teams made offers. It was communicated that he was restless. I don't think he ever asked for a trade, but he was restless and teams knew it. These guys are here to break it all down. But you got your eyes on Pascal. No, I got my eyes on Seattle. Pascal Seattle. Oh, I, I, I never knew his first check. Check, please. I don't call him Pascal. Okay. Seattle. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Oh, Shaq, you never cease to disappoint. What's going on, man? How you doing, everybody? TGIF, it is Friday, February 19th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, and it's game day in the city. We're Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here, Perry Selkowski there, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Don't forget, not only can you listen to us here on 650 on the AM dial, but you can also catch us on HD3 at 96.9. Or you can find us on the Sportsnet app that I'm sure many of you are streaming right now. The Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sportsnet650. We'll talk to Ron McLean in an hour from Hockey Night in Canada. Leah Hextall will preview tonight's Jets and Canucks tilt from CJOB in Winnipeg. Uh, Joe Leary. Just here for the beer. Hey, hey. Yeah, new show on Sportsnet 650. Joe's going to drop by uh, coming up at 8.30 this morning. And uh, we'll also head to Buffalo in about 15 minutes and check in on that tire fire in a little bit. But, Pear, it Man. is Friday. We're going to finally see those re- retro reverse jerseys tonight at Rogers Arena. The, the Sprite cans, if you will, for the Vancouver Canucks as they open up against the Jets. Yeah, pull them up for four against the Jets. You know, just listening to our intro, and I love that introduction of the weekend. Uh, it just got me thinking. Did you read last night that the weekend got a Super Bowl ring? He was given the diamond what? Super Bowl ring to commemorate his halftime performance. Like, I mean, can't we just be a little more cautious with who we're doling out Super Bowl rings to? No, I'm sure it's it, like it's not the replica that Tampa will get, but sure enough, it's a Super Bowl ring. That's the 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 trophy on there. Some diamonds around it just because of halftime. I mean, enough already. Can't be doing that. I, you know, I mean, if you're talking about a league that, you know, I'm sure they lost their fair share of money, but you're talking about a league that makes uh, generates about sixteen billion dollars a year in revenue. So I guess that they can afford a ring for a halftime show performer. Why not? Rather have someone who works at the stadium get it than the weekend who pops in. I was like, where would you get Um, that championship ring? Did you play? No, I sang. Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's the that's the deal. You know what? I'll go back. Um, Chris Cuthbert, who was my first boss, played in a CFL Players Association uh, golf tournament, and they had a great windbreaker. I had CFL on it, PA, blah, 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 obviously. And it was too big for him. And he goes, hey, does it fit you? Yeah, it's perfect. You just take it. Man, I wore that thing the number of times people would come up to me. Girls, yeah, CFL, PA, what's that? No, Canadian Football League. Hey, you play? Come on. I'm 20 years old. Damn rights I play. Like, you know, what a fraud. What a fraud. The weekend doesn't need that. I'm sure they'll think he's the weekend. Um, hey, you can't be a fraud tonight. You look at it, and I know we focused Calgary, Calgary, Calgary. You get the Winnipeg Jets. You get a break because you don't know what's going on with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Not that he's made an impact in the minimum minutes that he's played on that team. But there's a four-game. You've got four games in hand, Winnipeg Jets do. If they win the two of these, if you're four games in hand, four points up, eight points, six points up on, on a Vancouver Canuck team, I don't think you're catching them. Again, 
Good on it. You played well, Vancouver Canucks. But James, you, you got to pull off two here and put yourself in that race because you're going to be sitting and resting at some point watching these teams play, and you've got to be ahead of them and not behind them with the four-game balls for them to play some hockey. And make you can't game. serve up points, right? And and I look, my my playoff predictions for the North Division when this start when this season began, I had the Leafs, I had the Habs, I had the Habs winning the division. But I had the Habs, I had the Leafs, I had the Oilers, and I have the Jets. And I'm still going to lean towards that. And I'm going to stick to those predictions from the beginning of this. I look I look at the Jets. They've been wildly erratic mm-hmm. over the last 11 games. Like, they got off to a great start with a 4-1 mark, and they've essentially been a very 500 team in the last 11. 5-5-1. Five, five, but you look at what they've got on their back. And like, they've got, they've got a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender. They've got a lot of balance scoring up front as well. And, and at some point, Dubois is going to get healthy here. It's like you, you go through a two-week quarantine, you finally get him, and he gets hurt. And so at some point, he's going to be ready to go. But this is a team to me that you can question the, the blue line that the Jets have, but I think there's enough firepower and I think there's enough at the last line of defense between the pipes pair that I still think the Jets are going to take one of those spots. So that basically leaves the Canucks – the Flames, and the Oilers, yeah, the Oilers. right? Yeah. And and so this is where – this is an uphill battle. You know, the, the Oilers have actually been pretty good this year for the most part. But all th- – like, those four teams, nobody's – I don't think anybody's catching the Habs. I don't think anybody's catching the Leafs. So you've basically got three teams that are kind of battling it, or four teams, I should say, battling it out, right? And this is one of those – these two going head-to-head tonight with the Jets and the Canucks. You cannot leave – points on the table for the opposition to take right like this is one of those ones like the Canucks got five points against the Flames the Jets had four like if the Canucks are serious about trying to move up here you know you've got to take care of business in regulation as opposed to you know grab somebody getting a loser point here because there's too many games in hand yeah I mean the Oilers have been on the run their last 10 uh, with, with seven wins and well the Canucks can say hey we played good hockey in our last five the point production doesn't show it and, and that's not going to do them any good. So what do you want? It's like we were in a playoff race, and you'd be looking at a schedule in the last six weeks, and you go, you go, the good thing is they'll see the Winnipeg Jets two more times, so they kind of control their own destiny. Well, they, they have it right now. So many games in hand for the Jets, but you can't afford to lose. And honestly, you got to win a couple here against them, get back in that fight so when you're watching them play, you got to root for them. I, mean, I said earlier this week, hey, if you're wondering – Root for Toronto, root for Montreal, and root for anybody that Ottawa is playing right now because of where they sit in the point production. But it, it's it's in the Vancouver Canucks' hands in a sense that they've got to get on a run. They got to win seven of ten. They just can't go. We played well, and they can't be giving up cheesy overtime points too. You got to come up, win in regulation, leave it, and watch to see if you can start catching up to them. I think they will. I. Winnipeg is such an interesting team, right? They were so disappointing in the bubble, but they get Shifley hurt literally, I think, his second shift of the mm-hmm. postseason. He's such a big part of that hockey team. Talking to some who watched every minute of that Oilers-Jets series this past week, Winnipeg was the better hockey team, deserved the fade. Unfortunately, you throw it a dry saddle and a McDavid on every shift. You never know what's going to happen, and what happened was pure positive. Smith played well in his return, kept him in the hockey game. So it's a step up and wait. Because although we had high expectations for Calgary, they weren't very good. 
Canucks are going to have to be that much better, I think, to get a couple from the Jets. Well, I mean, look at Shifley already. Eight goals, 22 points to start the season in 16 games for the Jets. So uh, the Sprite cans will be on display tonight. I I, I don't eh. – You don't like it already, and you haven't even I seen wasn't, it. I'll no. say this. The more I've looked at them, I like them better than what they were, the blue and maroon from way back when. But that wouldn't have been my first choice. That wouldn't have been my choice for for going with the, with the retro reverse, like just such an obscure jersey from 20 years ago, and that's the jersey they've elected to go with. Not not my cup of tea, and I just I cannot shake I cannot shake seeing the can of Sprite every time I see these jerseys. Maybe it'll look different on the ice, but just not a fan, man. Not a fan. yeah. I think I think when you look at it in a picture and it's just a one off, I can understand where you go there. I'll give it a chance. You know, when they came out in the black jerseys last year, oh, it took me a while to just get away from it. By the second period, I go, oh, man, everyone's bigger. Everyone's tougher. Everyone looks better. So we'll see. Yeah, you're going to see them come out, and you're probably going to open up a can of Sprite and just feel like you're in a groove. Uh, but let's see how they look after a while. I, I don't think you can decide first impression. Give yourself a half an hour, 45 minutes to figure it out if you like it. Can, can I throw this at you also? We, we touched on this at the end of the show yesterday. Um, but you had suggested the idea of coming up with a, a, a name, a, a, a line name for the Horvat, Hoaglander, and Tanner Pearson line. Yeah. Now, Hobo I think line. it's still probably a little premature. There's some volatility. The future of Tanner Pearson's kind of cloudy. He might only have 36 games left with the organization. But, you know, I'll play along, right? There was there was a great submission from somebody on social media who text uh, who messaged us yesterday and suggested the Bonita line, Bo, Nils, mm-hmm. and Tanner Bonita, as in like Tribe Called Quest, Bonita Apple Bomb. I actually thought that there was a lot of creativity with that. But here's my thought over the last, what, 21 hours, Pear. Here's what came to my mind, all right? You ready for this one? This is mind-blowing. I think this one's got a lot of potential here. The IHOP line. Oh, but pal, I was just going to say that. Are you kidding me? IHOP. I was just going to say that, but I was going to say they need to trade for Iafoli to make it work. <laughs> See, that's the, the problem is, how do you – yeah, I, I was going to say IHOP. That's amazing. Like honestly, we you you told me you had something great, and I'm going. You know, it'd be great. I hop the way the way Hoglander jumps around the ice. Yes, but you got the ho for a Horvat and Hoglander, and then yeah. the P for well, you know, you can connect the dots on that one. So the I hop line. Well, and to me, what makes it work is you know how does Hoglander play? Kids hopping all over the ice. He's bumping and grinding. He's everywhere. He's quick. I like it. I like it. You pancake the opposition. Yeah, I, I, I like it. That's amazing that you and I, we never think alike. And here I am going, oh, you know, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I hop would work. I like it. I like it. Let us know 650, 650. We had some really good submissions. We got into it late yesterday. Uh, because I do think this line is, is here to stay. It's the one thing. I mean, if this team, and they weren't playing well, but Travis Green stuck with them. You got them at their best in Calgary. But I do think there was a mix. And people are going, why wouldn't you throw a whole glider with Petey? I understand that, but I do think you need a little bit of size, right? And you don't have it. If you're going to take Miller off that line, you, you need JT Miller the odd time to just be just be physical and remind people if you want to crush someone, you can. I think if you remove them from that line and, and you throw a whole glender out there, yeah, you might have some nice synergy. You might make some beautiful plays, but you, you just need a little more size if you're going to do that. 
I like that. Uh, the IHOP. You like it? You're down with it? Okay. Any other submissions? Yeah. 650, 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Jay and Ladysmith, by the way, chiming in saying, I'm all in on the Sprite can. So, all right. Jay, I think you're in the minority, but I see. I see. I see. Um, okay. Two things I want to hit on before we go to Buffalo here in just a couple of minutes. But number one, Austin Matthews now 16 goals on the season. I feel like everybody in Leafs Nation thinks he's going to get 50 goals on the season. I just, man, 50 and 50 or just hitting 50 goals this season, at some point there's going to be a mark of correction here, right? Like in the history of the National Hockey League, when you look who's hit 50 and 50, it's a pretty elite. Like we're talking about the goats of the goats when it comes to goal scoring in the sport of hockey. So I don't see it happening. Brett Hall, the last guy to do it in 91 when the game was wide open. You can say if you're playing everybody in the North Division, you know, all they do is score. Uh, listen, because it's Austin Matthews, it's like he's going to hit 150 because they double everything with Toronto with all the exposure and all the talk. And I understand that, and people in Vancouver don't care for it. I'm starting to embrace the chase, though, right? I don't think it's going to last, but the fact that you can look at the numbers now and at least have that conversation, enjoy it. Any kind of offshoot we get from the regular season and the, okay, the two points, this is important, but someone's doing something spectacular embrace it right now he's been fantastic and i know people don't like to hear it it's leafs 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 but if you can have that conversation and we're getting into it now and we're looking up okay five guys have had 50 and 50 gretzka's done it three times a couple times for mario and hall enjoy the conversation i'm with you because you know (laughs) to come up with those numbers it's crazy uh but enjoy it right now i think in a month's time we're not talking about it but why not bring it up because we haven't had this conversation for like you say, been nineteen ninety the last time we got into it. If he does, it might. It, it, if he does, to me, it'll be the most incredible fifty and fifty in NHL history because of the no. advancement of goaltending. No, you it's know, easier because you're playing the, a weaker team nine times. Look at the advancement of goaltending, though, right? I mean, the, like with all due respect to the the the, the fifty thirty nine games, fifty goals, like that. Okay, that's the gold standard, but. That would be, you know, to be able to do 50 and 50 in today's NHL with the advancement of goaltending, that'll be the second most incredible, I think, run to be able to pull that off. Yeah, I I disagree simply because of the amount of competition you're playing. The competition you're playing, albeit good, um, you you know, you don't think when you're playing the Edmonton Oilers are going to lock you down. Vancouver Canucks are not going to lock you down. So you're, you're, the likelihood and the, the ease of scoring is great. I think one thing that's helped Nils Hoaglander, there's nothing different for Nils Hoaglander to see for the rest of the year. He has played against the six teams he's going to play against all year. He's not jumping on a plane and going to Long Island and then jumping on a plane and traveling to Chicago and then Columbus. Like, here's your schedule. This is what's going to happen. So I do think there's a comfort level and an ease. If Austin Matthew keeps the, keeps the rate up, He's going, oh, okay, this will be perfect. So I'll disagree. The goaltending certainly is much better than it was in 1990, but I do think this schedule lends itself for us to see some kind of a record run like this. All right, 15 minutes after 6 o'clock. Lots more to get to. Uh, we'll get to see Ball Says at 6.30 where uh, we'll, we'll talk about the blame game on Jake Bertan. And, yes, the gift that keeps on giving here on Vancouver Sports Radio. James Sabalski, Perry Selkowski with you. But how about the Buffalo Sabres last night? Their third oh. game since returning to play, and they lost again. They've managed just two goals in three games. And we head now to Buffalo and catch up with Paul Hamilton from WGR in, uh, in Buffalo who covers the Sabres. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you? I, I'm all. I feel like I, I feel like I want to say 
probably better than you having to cover the Sabres these days. Like, we just endured a seven-year <laughs> rebuild, but, like, you guys have been going through a rebuild for, like, what feels like 70 years now, I think. And it had an off-season where it looked like the Sabres really had improved their yeah! team. Yeah! <laughs> That's the off-year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they pick up Taylor Hall. Uh, they get Eric Stahl in a trade, and it looked like, you know, Eric, Eric looked like in Minnesota he still had something in the tank. Uh, we've found out differently, at least through the first uh, 13 games. But, uh, you know, they, they went out and did those things, and they, they had – Almost they had the second worst penalty killing. It was just horrendous last year in the league. They improved it greatly by picking up Cody Eakin and Toby Reeder. But and that has worked. Their penalty killing has gotten quite a bit better for uh before the last game when they gave up a, a power play goal, they were in the top ten uh in both power play and penalty killing. So you're thinking if you've improved your special teams that much, you're probably in the race. Um uh, no, you're not even close to being in the race. Uh, you basically right now your your season's over unless you go on something like a ten game winning streak. I mean, because you're, you're fighting the Islanders, you're fighting the Penguins, you're fighting the Capitals, you're fighting the Flyers, the Bruins. New Jersey's much improved. I mean, you go by points percentage right now. New Jersey's third in the in the East Division at six thirty six. You know, the Islanders are 594. The Sabres are at 385. So, you know, you hate to say the season's over after a month, but, folks, for the Buffalo Sabres, the season's over. I mean, it's if, if they were in fifth place trying to track down fourth and they were this far behind, I wouldn't even come close to say that. All right, you got to catch one team. You get hot, you beat that team or whatever, you can catch them. But to have to catch the whole division and, and when it's this good, um, good luck. Paul, uh, you know, Jack Eichel was trending here in Canada yesterday, and everyone looks at someone making $10 million and a young superstar. Now, I don't think he's publicly said anything, but is there a concern that he will be restless? And we've seen it in other sports. We saw it play out with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine, that he may be that guy to just say, I, I can't do it anymore, or is that just a bad hockey team and things starting to circulate as rumors, and so hey, let's make this. Jack Eichel doesn't want to be in Buffalo. Truth to it or no? Well, let me let me first of all put into context what was said by Elliot Friedman. He was on our radio station, and I was listening to it. In no way, shape, or form did he say Jack Eichel has asked to be traded, has wanted to be traded. He was asked a question. Do you see a scenario where Jack Eichel would be traded? And he said yes. He didn't say he wanted to be. He didn't say he would be. All he was asked as a question is, do you see a scenario where, you know, he, he would be traded? It, it, he didn't say it's imminent. He didn't say Kevin Adams was shopping him. He didn't say Kevin Adams was – he he said Kevin Adams over the summer had people calling about him, but Kevin Adams told people the Sabres were not interested in trading Jack Eichel. So that's what that was about. They had nothing – there's no rumor that he's being traded. There's – no uh, intimate, you know, that's going to happen, uh, you know, or whatever. Now, to answer your question, if they have another, if they continue, I mean, they're one of the worst teams, again, in the National Hockey League. Nashville, I go by points percentage right now because there's teams that the, the, the games played is so different. Nashville, Detroit, and Ottawa are the only worst teams in the Buffalo Sabres right now in points percentage. So they're fighting again. 
to be one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. And Jack Eichel said last year he was fed up. Now, he didn't ask for a trade, but he said he was fed up with the losing. Well, the losing is continuing, and it's it's going badly. And the season's going badly for Jack Eichel, and Jack Eichel is part of the problem. I mean, it's not that he's been awful, but you're you're the superstar. You're the guy. You're the face of the franchise. I mean, you're you're the guy that is capable of putting the team on your back when they need you to to get something done. And he just simply has not done that. He is not producing. Jeff Skinner, Jack Eichel, and Taylor Hall have three goals combined. Combined. Mm-hmm. And how do you win that way? You can't win that way. These guys are paid to score goals. It doesn't matter if they're playing well. Or, well, yeah, Jack Eichel played better this game than he played last game. So what? Jeff Skinner had all sorts of scoring opportunities. So what? No, you, you win. These guys, you win, these guys, you win these guys are paid to produce, and if they don't, this team can't win. We And we just saw that here going back, what, uh, almost two weeks ago where the Canucks lost six straight, and it was exactly that. You know, your stars have to beat your best players, and they were absolutely not for a two-week stretch. Paul Hamilton from WGR Buffalo with us here on Sportsnet 650. So, okay, I, I guess offering up two potential excuses here, I guess, with this question, but um, how much is obviously the two-week delay because of the COVID uh, situation, the COVID protocol impacting the team uh, played a part in this? And number two, goaltending man I, I it feels like this team has just continued to struggle to find an answering goal over the last several years well absolutely i mean there are there are times they do get the big save but there are also times where the bad goal goes in and in my mind and i've said it since last season they have two backup goalies mm-hmm. they don't have a starter now you look you look in the crystal ball down the road, which is basically all the Sabres ever have, is looking down the road at their draft picks. <laughs> they, they've got Uka Pekalukinen, who a second-round pick from 2017, who they're very, very high on. He's just starting his AHL career in Rochester, doing pretty good, you know, just getting there. He's played in Finland before coming over to the U.S., spent some time in the U.S., was uh, a, the Rookie of the Year in the East Coast League last year and spent a little time in the AHL. But, again, they're they're trying to bring him along right now. He's 21 years old. Um, is he ready? He did play for the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL for a year in 2018-19. So I don't think he's ready right at this moment, but he could be next year. And I, and I pretty – you know what? I really do think they're banking on him to be the goaltender of the future. And they thought, well, these two can get us through. Well, it really hasn't worked that way. And don't forget, they drafted Cal Peterson of the Kings in 2013, but Peterson was at Notre Dame and and decided he didn't want to sign in Buffalo. He wanted to go the free agency route. Mm -hmm. So they lost what I think was a very good prospect, a prospect that I think they thought was going to be their goaltender of the future. The other one I was talking about, 2019 third-round pick, Eric Portello. He's playing uh, in college right now at Michigan and doing a very good job at Michigan. Uh, he's uh, you know gotten off to a good start. He's a freshman there at, at the University of Michigan. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. He's a goals against a 149 and a save percentage of 948 in the five games he's played so far. So, And, again, he played in the USHL the year before. 
So they've got two guys that they're very, very high on, but yeah. that's not going to do anything for them this year or maybe yeah. even next year. I mean, Portillo is a 20 year old, you know, so, you know, these are guys they are looking at at the future, but I can't sit here and tell you goaltending is their problem this year. It's part of it, but mm-hmm. it's not the major part of it. When you're, you, you said it yourself and I'll repeat it. When your best players are not your best players, you have no chance to win. Yeah, we hear that story. Forever linked, Vancouver and Buffalo. One day we won't talk about the future, and the future will be now. Paul, thanks so much for getting up this morning with us. Appreciate your take on the Sabres. Not a problem. Anytime, guys. Thank All you. Right, there you There's go. Paul, Paul Hamilton from WGR and Buffalo Man. I, you know, At least as, as toxic as it got here in this market, at least there's been a bit of a finish line to a degree. You know, you got two rounds in the playoffs last year. Pair. There's been no sign of that happening with the Sabres. They have $33 million in Eichel, Hall, Skinner, and Ocposo. $33 million. They have produced that, that quadruple, that quad of players, three goals. $11 million a goal from those guys. I mean, that's, you know, we, we're ripping into the lotto line and what we're doing. Well, look at what they're getting paid. $33 million worth of offensive talent and they have produced three goals. I, I feel bad for Buffalo sports fans, to be honest, at least Sabre fans. But, yeah, that, that's a mess. The Pagulas are struggling. Uh, I don't see where you get out of it. And, you know, the first problem is why would you bring Taylor Hall in? I mean, talk about a guy who carries baggage. And you bring him in for the one year thinking he's going to help your room. Mm. Well, you know what? How, I, look, I, I get he won a Hart Trophy a couple of years ago. Um, but at some point you look at the guy's career over 11 years how many playoff appearances has Taylor Hall had, mm-hmm. right? It, you know, maybe he's just not a winner. And I think there's a body of work that might say something about that, right? You know, Jack Jack Eichel, same thing. You know, you're talking about, I, I, hey, look, I want to be empathetic. He's a great young player, and he's talented, and they pay him as such. And, yeah, he's frustrated, tired of the losing. But, man, at some point you got to look in the mirror and say, what are you doing to carry this team? And I get that he produces – but is he a team guy or is he an individual guy? You know, there's a certain point where you go, okay, like big numbers, bad team, right? Is he Sharif Abdul-Rahim, right? You know, we yeah. put up great numbers here in Vancouver, but the team was terrible, right? And some guys are just like that. But there's been no you need You need players out. to make other players better rather than players that might still be more of a me generation, right? You need everyone else. And if that's your leader, as young as you are, he needs to make everyone else better rather than I get my paycheck and if I get my numbers. And I don't know if Eichel has that leadership role. And, hey, it's a lot to put on him, but you haven't surrounded him with guys that make you think. You got a, uh, you got the one great year of Taylor Hall wrote that. Jeff Skinner with the one great year, you give him $9 million. Uh, they just they made some really bad spending, and right now they're paying the price. All right, 26 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Friday morning. Ron McLean will join us just after 7 o'clock. In a moment, uh, the future to moving Jake Vertanen is bleak, and he only has himself to blame for this mess. We'll get into it with Seaball says next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. Can I just say this real quick before we kind of dive into this? Perry, we were talking to Paul Hamilton from WGR in Buffalo moments ago, but the Sabres goaltending prospect, Uko Pekalukin, that is on the, the NHL all-time name team. Uko Pekalukin. I, I, didn't, I didn't listen to anything Paul said after he said Uko Pekalukin. 
I just was, I was trying to write a song. Ooka peka luka, ooka peka luka, right? Yeah. It's fantastic. Just say yeah. that three times fast. You got, you got something there, right? Yeah, just to, and you just, you want to buy a jersey all of a sudden. Like, where is this kid? When can I buy his jersey? Just so I can say, God, I love peka luka. Really? Y'all know peka luka is great. Ooka. Ooh, they're not booing. They're ooking. <laughs> That's teasing, Pear. By the way, Greg mm-hmm. Ballack on the other side of the glass who tracks a lot of goaltending analytics and also works on the side as a goalie coach as well, being a former goalie that he is, doesn't exactly paint a rosy picture for Sabres fans as he thinks that uh, Uka Pekalukin is actually overrated as a prospect. So the second-round pick in 2017. That's, he's got a lot of work overrated. to do. Okay, we'll put he's it got a lot way. of work to do? Okay. yeah, He's in the minors Ballack for a reason, is... right? <laughs> yes. But his name's not overrated. That we can all agree. No, no, Top no, tier name. A, Top tier that, name. That's a Hall of Fame name. Yes, exactly. As somebody who's had Sabalski kicked around for a long time. Uh, yeah. Come on. Luka Pekka Luka. I, I can't give you any stats, but I'll talk Pekka Ragnacalio all day. <laughs> Right. All right, let's get into Seaball says here. Uh, there's an old saying, be careful what you wish for. For years in this market, Vancouver hockey fans lamented the homegrown kids being ignored by the Canucks only to see them shine elsewhere. Former Giants, Milan Lucic, and Brendan Gallagher are a pair that come to mind. When Jim Benning took over as general manager, that trend changed immediately. With our first selection, we select from the WHL, Calgary Hitman, Jake Vertanen. It was a move celebrated locally. The Abbotsford product in the starring role of the local boy who makes good. Nearly seven years later, the ballad of Shotgun Jake screams to be a hit song about wasted talent. And it feels like we're nearing the end, at least here in Vancouver anyways. Earlier this week, Draymond Green from the Golden State Warriors spoke passionately about the double standard for NBA players being ripped for wanting out and teams facing no criticism for sitting players to protect their trading assets and used this sort of example. When everyone wants to say, oh man, that young guy can't figure it out, but no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. Now, you can't use that here in this particular instance with Vertanen. What's so frustrating is that while Jim Benning can take criticism for selecting the 24-year-old, this is Jake's fault. He has no one to blame but himself. Up until this year, Vertanen had been the most polarizing figure in Canucks land, maybe with the exception of a brief time when Nick Goldobin challenged for that title. Very briefly, there were arguments. He could be Cam Neely if you trade him. Or wait till he's in the playoffs. Now, those defenders, they've thrown in the towel. The last 12 months have been maddening watching the Vertanen saga play out. So many beers were crushed as Shotgun Jake flirted with 20 goals before COVID shut the world down. When the NHL returned to play, he started the playoffs in the press box. And when he did play, he responded with just three points in 16 games. And then he was called out by his GM in the offseason. I've been one of his biggest supporters, and I've been patient with him. But, you know, at the end of the year, I kind of criticized him. And, you know, that was some tough love because I, I want more from him. I expect more from him. When have you ever heard Jim Benning be critical about anybody on, on his organization, right? Never. And that goes down. And with that said, the club still elected to a lot, $2.5 million towards Vertanen for the next two seasons. And for Jake's part, with not only the tough love from his GM, but the opportunity dangled of a potential spot in the top six, Tuna responded with a flat camp and carried it into a season in which he's now mustered just one freaking point in 15 games. Now we're at the point where Vertanen is rumored to be on the trade block. 
And the return for a sixth overall pick who nearly hit 20 goals this past year is somewhat uninspiring, according to Sportsnet Hockey insider Chris Johnston. Part of what Vancouver would try to accommodate or be accomplished rather with with a potential Vertanen trade is is maybe freeing up some cap space. A salary dump for Jake Vertanen. As Shaggy might say, zoinks! There's also been the idea that Vertanen could be left exposed in the Seattle expansion draft this summer. And this week, both our own Sat Shaw and the Athletics' Harmon Dial laid out the case for Vertanen to be bought out by the Canucks as they would only owe him a million dollars and the cap hit would just be a half a million dollars for two seasons. How did we get to this? My goodness! Jim Benning chose the player and proceeded to double down on Shotgun Jake, rewarding the likable underachiever with $5 million over two years. So there's definitely some ammunition for the Thank You Jim movement. But as I said, this is on Jake. The club tried. He got every chance to succeed. The physical tools are there, but the givenish just isn't. Jake should have been a hometown hero, but now being viewed more as wasted talent. All that size, all that speed, all that skill. It's a shame, too, because he's such a likable personality when you talk to him. But his biggest supporters have had to throw in the towel to the point that now, whatever the return is for Jake, if there is any at all for that matter, will deem, be deemed acceptable. And that's this morning's Seaball says. The head coach is a poker player. Travis Green played in the World Series of Poker. But honestly, it looks like Whatever cards Jacob Vertanen was able to play, and Jake and Kevin Ebb's agent were like, wow, okay, we got him. Uh, Jim Benning trusted him, trusted that what he saw in 18 goals was going to just continue to go the right way. Disappointed, so gave him some tough love after the playoffs and the no-shore and figured maybe it would work out. But James, you and I in this business, you kind of heard rumors, okay, Jake's up in Kelowna, he's training with Tyler Myers, and hey, he's uh, being COVID safe. He's dressed in the car, and he'll shoot a video of him driving to the rink, too, to show you he's being safe. But you just wondered, is there that internal push? There was when it was your last year, and you had a new contract coming, and you saw the big numbers come your way. I'll say this. I think where the organization is, Jake Vertana is going to play a good game again. And let's hope Jake Vertana plays two good games, two in a row for the Canucks. It'll happen. He'll score a big goal. I think if you ever go up in the broadcast to Jim Benning when it happens, I think Jim's on his cell phone going, hey, did you see what Jake did? You want him? Do you want him? You want to take him? I don't think the wait is there anymore, right? They, they gave him as much time as possible, as much rope as possible to say, hey, we're waiting, man. You're going the right way. We think this will be your th- year. If he has some kind of a spark for a week, for two weeks, they are past the, oh, finally, here's the breakthrough. It's like, awesome. He scored three goals in the last three games. Anybody want him now? Anybody want him now? I think Jake is done here. It's just a matter of what you get in return. And and, and that's that's the issue, Pear. And the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650, always welcome to the conversation. But, man, the, the fact that it is now a consideration that is not crazy to say, you know what, maybe just buy him out. You know, there's some actual logic to that idea. To that, because to of the, the numbers, idea, yes. It's because of the numbers, but, man, like just, yeah. you know what, just cut bait. Or, or to leave him exposed in the expansion draft. Like, I look at last year, had the Canucks chose not to, just to cut bait from Vertanen, or if they were able to trade him, 
you know, I think there would have still been a lot of people that would have been frustrated over that idea going, man, guy would have had 20, had COVID not shut the world down. He would have had a 20-goal season to let him walk at 24. You know, there would have still been that. But, man, like, look at the last 31 games as a Vancouver Canuck. He's got four points. Mm-hmm. He's got four points in the last 31 games, and that's playoffs and this start to the regular season. You know, someone makes a point here, and it's fair in the sense, and please sign your texts. The Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650 is hopping this morning, and as always, Jake, such a conversation. You know, maybe if Travis Green put him on power play two, he'd start scoring, not like the second unit is doing anything without him. Listen, I understand that. That's fair, actually. That second unit power play hasn't done anything. And if you look at the numbers last year, what Jake Vertanen did with the minimal amount of time on the power play, that is a logical statement. Here's the problem. Travis Green is a guy who wants to trust his players. Travis Green is a guy who gives players what they deserve. And I almost think Travis Green going, yeah, really, what has Jake done here? We, we, we gave everything for him. Are we just going to go, oh, by the way, here you're going to get some power play time? I think he wants guys to deserve it. And if Jake's having a really good hockey game, Jake will get more ice time. And, in fact, I think he played like a minute less than Brock Besser uh, two nights ago in Calgary. In part, it's because, hey, let's not play the top six in the last ten minutes. We've got this one. But it's as you said, NC Ball says, it's all on Jake, man. It is all on Jake. And if people who are still, oh, you know, you can't get rid of him, come on. Like, how much rope does a guy get? You've given him so many chances. It's not there. He doesn't want it there. The unfortunate thing is he may become a more prolific NHL player somewhere else, and you may not get much in return for it. But when we say cut bait in the numbers, salary-wise, I mean, it wouldn't be a massive hit to the financial books if they got rid of him in the offseason. All right, 642. Uh, keep the conversations coming. We'll check in on some of these texts coming up in a few minutes. We're going to crunch the numbers also in just a little bit. We're going to play Stat Me Up in a moment. Don't forget Ron McLean from Hockey Net in Canada just after 7 right here. It is game day on your home at the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Grab your calculators because it's time to Stat Me Up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. 6.48 here on this Friday morning. We bring in the million-dollar man from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing, Mr. Scott Brown. Scotty, TGIF, my man. Exactly. You know, one thing about Buffalo I have to say is that they'll always have the Stanley Cup they won in Bruce Almighty to fall back on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Forgot yes. about that movie. Uh, let me start it off, boys. Uh, I'm going to start with 20, a place so that I don't know if they'll get a Stanley Cup before Buffalo or not. But 20 is because of what Jonathan Uberdo is doing in the Panthers. It's Uberdo in on Nadelkovich. Uberdo, forehand, backhand, forehand, scores. You know, listen, I love the Canadian division, the Gord Downey division. Hockey is tremendous. Again, a massive series with Winnipeg and the Oilers here next week. But there is part of me that misses, and if you don't have the, the Rogers pack and you're not watching other NHL teams, Florida Panthers are exciting right now. They've got some good young stars, and Upator is one of it. He becomes the first Florida Panther to get to 20 points this quick in a season. I mean, we're talking Pavel Burry-type numbers. He's been putting up some big ones. It's a fun team to watch. Here's a young man who came in and just slowly has become that NHL superstar and it's having that kind of year right now in Florida. 
You know, at some point, uh, you feel like that organization's got to be due to turn the corner, right? They've got tons of firepower. You just wonder yeah. if, you know, if it's going to hold up in the back end and particularly between the pipes because there's, what, $10 million invested to Bob, who has been underwhelming left. at best so far in the year and a half that he's been as Panther. Scotty, what do you got? Well, it makes me wonder whether or not Joel Quinville's underrated completely as opposed to just riding a good team in Chicago um, because he's obviously doing something as a coach down there positive. My short stat, number 12. Good chance for Ruchin. Saves, they score on the rebound. The Ducks lead 2 to nothing on the goal by Mike Sillinger. So hot potatoes for breakfast, anybody? Uh, listen to your show yesterday. I was really surprised to learn that the Leafs' newest roster addition by trade 27-year-old number 12, my number for today, Alex Galchenyuk, has been around a lot in a relatively short career. He's now on his sixth team, I think you think mentioned, and I thought that's a little rare for a third overall pick or something like that. So I started doing some digging, and look, when I interview at work and I see a potential hires bounce around so much, I start to wonder, okay, is there an issue with toxicity or something like that, or what's up? Now that said, he did spend six years with the Canadians, and before changing teams, he was averaging about, from the Canadians, he was averaging about a half a point a game. But this little adventure led me to one other thing that from yesterday's discussion I wanted to follow up on. Who's the team? Who's the player considered to have played for the most teams? And from my research, it looks like number 12 again, Regina-born Mike Sillinger. Yeah. 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 Silly's got a couple play. of good young 12. hockey players, too, I think, yeah. in Penticton right now playing well in the BCHL. <laughs> There's a guy who teams. probably didn't sleep well at every trade deadline, a soldier. <laughs> oh my God! It's like twelve, like a dozen different teams, and you know had a had a cup of coffee, a, a very small cup uh, here with the Canucks. Uh, no wait, wait, wait a minute. He got two. Was it two and a half seasons? No, he, I think he played here. Yeah, he was here a little longer. Yeah. He was here a little longer. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah, Galchenyuk. Mike, 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 we're gonna need you to clean out your locker. Oh. No, 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 Mike. We just want you to clean it out. It's messy. <laughs> Poor guy. Galchenyuk's claim to fame may be dating Jeannie Bouchard when she was the, the rocket <laughs> tennis player. Yeah. You know what? Jeannie seemed to get out at the right time, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Honey, yes. I've been traded again. <laughs> yeah, you go You go on without me. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say that uh, on here? True. Here's, here's my number this morning, uh, 1,000. Crosby battles for the possession of the puck. Sid's got it. The Kunis a shot. He scores! And there it is. Point number 1,000 for Sidney Crosby. So it's been a while since Sidney Crosby hit point number 1,000. But how about this? Tomorrow, Sidney Crosby will play his 1,000th NHL game on Saturday night against the Islanders. He's 33. He's got over 1,275 points. How about this? He's won the Hart, the Art Ross, the Rocket Richard, and the Conn Smythe. He's won it all the same amount of times, twice. Three Stanley Cups. And it's remarkable to think that he's getting to 1,000 now when he's endured uh, some significant injuries, right, where we thought his career might be over about eight or nine years ago. Um, you look at Alex Ovechkin, he's played the equivalent of two seasons more. But Sidney Crosby, a guy who's in the top five all-time of greatest hockey players, I'd, got, I'd put him at number three. I'd put him behind Gretzky and Orr, and I would say Sid has checked all the boxes in terms of the expectations and the hype, but 1,000 games he'll play this weekend. Yeah, it's amazing. Right, we got a rip and pull question, too. We'll get to the other side of 7 o'clock. Scotty, what do you got for a real estate number for everybody? Well, in the spirit of the North and the Gore Downey division, let's talk about national real estate stats. 
because uh, of looking back and looking at 2021 so far. So Canadian home sales are up 35.2%. So this isn't just BC. This is right across the country, uh, you know, compared to 2021 so far in January. They're up 352 uh, Supplies down 3% across the country. Um, Vancouver, they're up 16% this year. So that's, you know, a good chunk. And then uh, average price of a home right across Canada, certainly not Pittsburgh, 22.8% increase to an average price in Vancouver, we're over a million. Uh, but right now in Canada, the average price of a home is three times that. In Pittsburgh, $620,000 for average home. So uh, the whole country, you know, the whole North Division, now the real estate is, is active. I'm sure there's the odd pocket that's not, but generally as a whole, it's quite strong. Even in BC, the island, the Okanagan, uh, the island was up about 60% and 66% in January as well. Next week, we'll have our first kind of poll on what February is looking. But even with the snow, you know, not necessarily having people on the roads over that family day weekend, I think we're going to see a similar picture heading into the warmer weather in March. Scotty, you're basically telling us that realtors do not want vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> or that you shouldn't be the million dollar man. You should be like the $1.4 million man to pay the average house. Yeah, I think they want vaccine, but I think they don't want to see those interest rates get vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. COVID's a hoax. Just keep it going. <laughs> this, oh, is, yeah. this, is, this is clearly, I mean, it is insane to have predicted this a year at this time a year ago. And, and look, I, I'm, I'm totally only kidding here, but it is insane to see how the real estate market has gone through the roof during a global pandemic where a third of the country has been essentially on CERB. And uh, sometimes the numbers just don't add up. But Scotty, always a pleasure, sir. Yeah, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll catch up next week. We'll have some numbers and uh, see if the story's the way we're reading it. Okay. Looking forward to it. Looking Thanks, forward Scotty. To it. All right, yeah, Scott yeah. Brown for Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing, crunching the numbers with us, playing Stat Me Up here on Sportsnet 655 minutes to 7 o'clock. Perry alluded to it. We've got a jumping uh, Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question uh, going. We'll get to in just a couple moments. Plus, Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada drops by as well. It is game day. We'll look ahead to the Jets and the Canucks next, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Buffalo knew that Eichel was unhappy. Teams made offers. It was communicated that he was restless. I don't think he ever asked for a trade, but he was restless and teams knew it. These guys are here to break it all down. But you got your eyes on Pascal. No, I got my eyes on Seattle. Pascal Seattle. Oh, I, I, I never knew his first Check, check please. First of all, I don't call him Pascal. Okay. Siakam. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. All right, two minutes after 7 o'clock. Sprite, Sprite cans in the house tonight at Rogers Arena, Pair as the uh, Canucks will uh, unveil those uh, reverse retro jerseys from Adidas for four straight Um Against you're going into it with, yeah. yeah, you're going into it with negative thoughts, right? Your uh, your sprite cans, you're mocking early. I want you to be positive this Friday morning. You know, the weekend is here. Jets are here. Can I explain? Well, individually, like collectively, things can look better, James. Like a one-off and all of a sudden, I bought into the Golden Knights helmet, not initially, but as I watched them play with those shiny buckets, I, I go, yeah, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. So, you know, the individual sprite can, maybe you won't, but when they come out as a group, if they're scoring goals, if they're hitting people, if they're playing well, I think it might grow on you, right? Mm-hmm. 
You know, I, I will address this here quickly. I want to, I want to get to our, our Sportsnet Twitter poll question, which has been on fire, and a lot of people uh, jumping in on something I had said a couple moments ago about Sidney Crosby. Um, there's been a lot of people protesting over the last few weeks since we decided to go with the Gord Downey division pair that a lot of people have suggested, why is it not the Terry Fox division? You, this Love kind of, you, had, you, had the, you were inspired by the Gord Downey, so... I don't know. How do you feel? Do you still feel strong enough to stick with the Gord Downey, or do you think we should pivot and, and you know, adjust and look to the people and, and go Terry Fox? Listen, if anybody knows me, and I have been fortunate to do a lot of things in Poco at the Terry Fox Theater, I tell you, I got an email once from um, uh, Doug, who drove the van for Terry Fox, said some very kind things after an event I did. Uh, you and I are both. The massive. We're doing this show last summer trying to get onto the Terry Fox Adidas website and get the Terry Fox shirts and runners, right? Which I think you got. I got the shirt. I love the Terry Fox. The reason we started calling it the Gord Downey division and I had brought it up is simply Gord Downey's love for hockey and albeit love for being a Boston Bruin. But it's the love and, and what he had for hockey and talked hockey and, and Ron McClain would know as much. Hey, if people want us to call it the Terry Fox division, Anything to do with Terry Fox, I am okay with. But that is the history behind us saying the Gord Downey division. It was Gord's love for hockey, love for Bruins, being around the game. But He's a Bruins yeah, fan, you, though. That's the only thing. He's a Bruins fan. No, that's exactly it. But, man, anything that Terry Fox is related to, I'm okay with. If, if the people are out there, we get enough people go, guys, if you're going to refer to it, go Terry Fox division. I'm okay with that. I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't mind pivoting to the Terry Fox division. I'd be. Uh, I'd cast my vote for that. I'm all good. Uh, okay. Hey, listen. Uh, our Sportsnet 650 Twitter poll question. So here we go. Sidney Crosby's going to play his 1,000th game uh, tomorrow for the New York Islanders. And just earlier this week, you had Connor McDavid a couple of nights ago hit his 500th point in the National Hockey League and did it in the exact same amount of games that it took Sidney Crosby. Crazy. So we're asking you this morning, when it's all said and done with, when the dust settles. And Connor McDavid's done. Who will have the better career in the National Hockey League? Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid? Right now, it's not even close. Everybody's going with Sid. Even though you got the long-term unpredictability of what Connor could do, I would lean towards 87 as well. And I've got him at number three in my all-time list pair. And and I, I a bunch of people saying, are you crazy? Lemieux, Yager, what are you talking about, Sabalski? I just look at what Sid has done. And he has lived up to the expectations and the hype of everything thrust upon him over the last 15, 16 years. You know, at the time when the league has been at its best, Sidney Crosby was the best and everything asked of him, he has delivered on. He's got a golden goal. And I guess, yes, you could say Mario had, you know, the 87 finish in the Canada Cup, but three Stanley Cups for Sid, only two for Mario. Give me Sidney Crosby. The longevity as well. Both obviously had some health issues. But give me Sidney Crosby in terms of the achievements, the accomplishments. Yes, I get Mario's got the better point-per-game production. But give me Sidney Crosby for everything that he's endured and what he's lived up to in his career. Well, you, you if Sidney Crosby retires at the end of this year, you go, awesome, right? He, he wins that in his conversation. He's put up in, in the top five. Connor McDavid, we don't know. I think Connor McDavid's a more exciting hockey player. But for the 17% that go McDavid, I think when you talk about the better career – Careers are based on championships. Crosby will have scored the biggest goal in the history of Canadian hockey. I know some in 72 will argue, and the fact that it happened in our backyard in, in 2010 elevates him even higher in a poll question like this. 
He's endured a lot. The game has changed. He's changed with the game, and he lived up to all the expectations. I would say McDavid has lived up to expectations, too. His only fault is the organization he's with right now. And is he good enough for Drysaddle to turn that team into a championship team? They may be going the right way. I don't think it's immediate. Um, but boy, oh boy, uh, give me the last three years and, and give me the top 10, 20 goals that we've seen in the NHL. I would suggest McDavid's all over it more so than Crosby. But we are asking you about a career, and career means longevity, and a career means championships. Uh, I'm not going to throw in the towel that McDavid's not winning championships. He may very well. But I am not surprised that 83% of the people in this poll question lean towards Sid the Kid. What McDavid has in terms of the speed and the ability is, is next level and something we haven't seen before in terms of that sort of package. Ever. Like, look, I get I get Bur I get Burray. I had obviously the wheels and the impact, but I think Connor McDavid's more of a complete player than Pavel Burray is at, at both ends of the ice. But um, let's bring in Ron McLean here on this uh, Friday morning. Friday. Ron, yeah, TGIF, yeah. I've, I've already got one foot out the door. Ron, how are you, sir? I like that. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'll tell you one, James, by the way, thanks. I was talking to you earlier in the week after yeah. Scotiabank Hockey Day, but it was family day for us in Ontario. Did you guys do family day? We did. Yeah, We did, yep. Yeah, again, yeah we're all in the Which provinces have it and don't. Uh, so we had family day, and it was neat when Connor McDavid hit the 500-point plateau, and he talked about his parents. Did you see that, where he said, I, I spoke with my mom, Kelly, uh, my dad stays up later, so I'll talk to him on the phone later tonight <laughs> after he did his media scrum. And uh, when John Tavares got his goal, because he was kind of uh, in tough here for the last uh, week to 10 days, he scored, and there was a great shot of him on the bench. Looking at the knob of his hockey stick, he tapes uh, the birth dates of his children, and he was putting his thumb on each of his children's uh, tape band on his hockey stick and looking at it. And I just thought, isn't that, you know, there is no amount of money and there is no goal can beat uh, being dad so it was a good family day moment well and, and ron i mean that's what and hockey day in canada was exceptional as always shout out to the couch why... and sweater pair ron yes. makes it look good buddy yeah but it's just something about this sport that if you were lucky enough to play and i don't care at what level if you at some point strapped on the skates and some of those stories of of, of new canadians getting the ability to try and play were great it just, it, in, in the times of achievement, in the times of finally breaking through, there just seems to be that family connection with hockey players that they really don't forget. I, maybe it's just us ingrained in this country as to what it means, the, the drive well, home with uh, mom and dad. You were talking about Sidney right? Crosby earlier, and I distinctly remember in the 2016 run, uh, Grapes and I would go over to the Bridgestone Arena, which was right next to our hotel. We were staying at the Omni in Nashville. And we would go to the morning skates, we would go to the off-day skates, we would go to the games, and the Crosbys were always there, Troy and Trina. They were staying in our hotel. And we'd walk back together, the four of us, and uh, it was incredible, their love of the game and their... You know, they just got to kick out. Even when Sid wasn't skating on the off days, they'd be there at the practices and watching the up-and-comers and so forth and just loved the game. And I, I, that connection is deep with, uh, you know, for sure, the superstars are, you know, how Wayne and his father, he always says it's not God-given, it's Wally-given. So, yeah, it's there. And I think, you know, Kwame Mason, we're running his documentary, Soul on Ice, tonight on Sportsnet. And he always said, I try to imagine LeBron James playing hockey, or I try to imagine Michael Jordan playing hockey, if they could only know the sensation of skating backwards. 
and I, and that for me is I don't know how you two feel about hockey, but uh, or skating on an outdoor rink. For me, oh. that was the biggest thing. Oh. Is that you, I miss you know, it. everything that I could do, you know, forwards as a soccer player, running the bases and so forth, to be able to go quick backwards uh, blew my mind. Oh, I mean, it's I mean, I, to this day, and I, I, it's funny the, the the simple things, but that's probably the one thing I actually miss about living. Um, you know, in Eastern Ontario as a kid growing yeah. up, but it's the outdoor rinks that uh, you just don't have the access to, obviously. Hey, look, it, it, you know, when it was plus 10 the other day while everybody else was freezing their keisters off, you know, I wasn't that heartbroken about it, but yeah, I miss the outdoor rinks. But I, Ron, Sidney Crosby, like just in the context here for a minute, for him to go and deal with all the hype for two years, and, and, and Wayne Gretzky is a smart guy. Like he wouldn't just heap that pressure uh, and, and anoint somebody without being smart about it. But even Wayne suggested two years before Sid got drafted, he goes, this is a kid who I think could maybe break all my records. But Sid, like no one's going to ultimately catch Gretzky statistically, but what he's done to live up to the hype of being the next one, like LeBron James just hit his 35,000th point last night. And, and LeBron's been the other guy to do that. Uh, everything, the hype, the pressure, the expectation he's delivered on, right? Sidney Crosby in hockey, I mean, to do what he's done, the gold, the, the golden goal here in Vancouver, three Stanley Cups, you know, he, he's, he's, however you want to put the order in, he's a top five player in the history of the sport. Well, and he put the work in. Uh, I remember yeah. Brad Richards telling me when he went to the Andrews uh, Academy in Prince Edward Island, Alan Andrews had a great hockey school, still does, uh, and he was seven years old, and Brad was 14, and Brad was now at Notre Dame in Wilcox, and he would come back, and he would actually be an instructor as a 14-year-old. That's how good Richards was. And he said the only reason that Sidney at seven wasn't an instructor is because he was seven. He said everything about him, the way he dressed, the way he uh, paid attention to nutrition, his ability to do all the drills, at seven years of age, it was clear. And uh, he had that, you know, he kind of built, Bruce Rainey's a great uh, CBC reporter, was doing documentaries on Sydney, you know, when he was 10 years old. So just like Gretzky, you could see it coming down the pike. Um, and he learned, I remember being at Brad's golf tournament at Brutonelle Dunderhaven PEI, and we had had a night the night before, lots of, you know, frolicking. And so I was a little jagged as I got to the golf course, and I was dealing with the children. I had some stuffed animals, uh, NHL teddy bears, in my golf bag that I was given to the kids who would work as caddies on the day that day. And there on the veranda of the clubhouse was Crosby watching all of us like a hawk, just to see, you know, how do the professionals deal with their, uh, you know, public, let's say. And uh, he, he, every detail, he would be in the gym at those golf tournaments. Uh, he, he was just so relentless in his attention to detail that, as you said, for me, it's the golden goal. That, that, he hadn't done yeah. much in the Olympics that year, uh, but all his hard work, uh, when the moment of truth arrived, you know, he was able to rise to the occasion because of all of that. And Ron, I wonder, and I'll bring it back to now, Sydney, as you said, from a seven-year-old, expectations, and he was focused and did it. But I come back to what we're dealing with right now, and a great question by Ian McIntyre to Travis Green this week. Sydney was with Mario Lemieux when he started. We were talking about Buffalo and Jack Eichel earlier on. Connor kind of had to learn on his own, and then he didn't have that. Got Wayne there from a distance, but not living with him. Niels Hoaglander's been great, and, and Travis Green was asked a question by Ian McIntyre. Are you even more impressed and the, at the time right now where this is a kid who, when he leaves the rink, is in an apartment by himself, can't go for dinner with the teammates, and kind of have that guidance to get him through 
his first year in the NHL. I think Sid, for all the work, really had the ultimate person to go, no, I'm, I'm living with Mario, I'm figuring it out. That, I mean, that just helped the building block, didn't it? Right. I think, you know, as I watched the NHL during the, the no-fans era, I, I'm constantly amazed at how great the hockey is. And it just kind of comes back to Richard Wagamese, who always said that nothing meaningful comes from the outside in. It always comes from the inside out. You know, things grow from the inside out. Uh, and, and and that's my way of saying, you know, whether it's Nils or Crosby, uh, you know, that, that burning desire and all the little things that they're able to do without maybe the color or the noise, you know, the, the silence is the best time. You too, you know that. I mean, we, we talk for a living. It's funny to have Matt Galloway on uh, Scotiabank Hockey Day last week. He was fantastic, the host of The Current on CBC Radio 1. And he said, I have a little sticker on my microphone that says, Stop yes. Talking. Wasn't exactly. And, uh, it was and I just, perfect. You know, we, we know it. We were paid. We have to do something to fill the airwaves. But in the silence is where you truly, uh, you know, and that's why all the clamor of social media and everything else that's ricocheting around in our brains these days, uh, I, I kind of admire and, and feel good for Nils that he comes and he doesn't speak a ton of English and uh, he can just work on his game, his craft, and that's where it's going to explode. No, 100%. Ron McLean here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, the Canucks seem to have finally kind of turned things around. You consider some of the conversations we've had over the last few weeks about the, the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they've won two of the last three here, now points and three straight, and now another critical uh, two-game set with the Winnipeg Jets. Give me a sense from what you've seen, I guess, maybe from a, from a Canucks standpoint in the last couple of weeks, but also a Jets team that just seems very... Jekyll and Hyde, like there's kind of four teams that all kind of seem to be in that sort of yo-yo position, Ron, with Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Edmonton. Right. I, I, I'm worried about uh, that with Calgary, and it's it's more that, the inconsistency. I think yeah. in the case of uh, Vancouver, I, I just really believe in their goaltending. So I think that's going to be the... And, and for whatever reason, Connor Hellebuck, Vesna Trophy winner, hasn't got his groove on right now. And until he gets mm-hmm. it, that's going to be a real problem for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, so I, I just think, you know, those teams that you mentioned, keep an eye on their goaltending, and that'll kind of sort it out at the end of the day. Well, and the one thing, I mean, the Calgary Flames were pretty much outplayed in, in um, you know, nine, I would think, maybe even ten of the 12 periods they played against the Canucks. Uh, uh, no fault of Brad Treleving, man. That guy in the offseason always addresses whatever the need is. But, Ron, it almost seems like there might be something deeper, and it's tough in this age of Zoom and not getting into locker rooms. But, uh, you know, sometimes you hope that it's that character and that push that's inside and everything meshes together. Do you think that may be the question mark with this? He's answered the goalie problem. The goaltender's been great. But yet yes. there still seems to be this inconsistency. Yes, you're right about that. I mean, both Tanev and Markstrom were – incredible gets for the organization. The, the one thing Corey Hirsch was pointing out uh, as I was listening to the radio broadcast between whatever I was doing last week, uh, and he, he identified that the Lucic-Bennett uh, line got caught and Travis Green immediately threw speed at it. Uh, and, and maybe, you know, if I was to sort of look back uh, at the Flames as a whole up front, maybe they're slowing down and not able to keep mm-hmm. pace with, uh, you know, that's uh, your point earlier about Jonathan Huberdeau uh, and how you, you kind of miss seeing some of these uh, performances happening elsewhere yeah. in the NHL. But on the bright side, as we've discussed, uh, if, if you have to be cordoned off into one division to be able to experience uh, Elias Patterson and Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and Matthews and Marner over here, 
we're really lucky. It's it's just a an incredible show that's happening just about every night in the Scotiabank North. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's that, you know for Brad for a living, it might be that they're just not quick enough, uh, and that he'll have to address next year in order to get back uh, in the mix. There's a there's a couple of pieces on that Flames team like Mangiapane, um, you know Goudreau, but outside of that, you're right. Like there's the foot speed does seem like it's. Uh, I I just I don't love the Flames. I think Markstrom's masked a lot of issues this year. Yes, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, another element, uh, a lot of people buzzing in Toronto uh, this morning and, and from last night, Austin Matthews is tearing it up. He's got 16 goals, and there seems to be a legitimate conversation whether he is going to hit 50 goals this season. I, it just still feels ambitious. to. I, I can't see it, Ron, when you look at how few people in the history of the game and, and like what an elite list it is for the goal scorers who've actually hit 50 and 50. I mean, even if it's just short of 50, like to, to, to hit 50 and even 56 to me feels ambitious in today's NHL. Well, the reason I think it can happen is, uh, is the talent around them. You know, you, you don't do it unless you have a, a lot of offensive talent, and they do. You know, they brought in Joe Thornton's reminding me a ton of Dave Anderchuk in the situation where he found himself in Tampa as a 40-year-old <laughs> yeah. winning a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Scotty Bowman always said, let's have your good hands down around the net, and that was Anderchuk, and now certainly it's Joe Thornton, and he can move the puck and think, uh, even if he can't skate. He can certainly think with Marner and Matthews, and both of them, you know, in addition to their their gifts, their their physical gifts, uh, they're clearly off the charts with their vision on the ice. And then you add Tavares and Nylander, uh, so they they can really. And Spezza has been uh, fantastic for Toronto. So these are all magic hands guys who who can see the ice and can make the plays. And with that shot of his, uh, it's easy to fathom him at fifty. Do well, I was going to say, I don't want to say the word easy because if he got to 50 and 50, it'd be incredible. Do you think it is easier because we've kind of gone back to the days of the original seven now? You, you're playing a team nine times. He's not jumping on a plane and, and going to San Jose and then flying to Columbus. Uh, does that help his cause in your view? Yeah, well, it, it can't hurt. As I said, I think more of the, you know, the talent. Like, uh, Phil Esposito, uh, tomorrow is uh, his birth date, uh, and three times on his birthday, he hit 50. In 1971, he scored his 50th goal. Uh, in 1972, he scored his 50th goal of the year, and in 1974, on his birthday, he scored his 50th goal. Um, Espo had a great release, and he was, uh, you know, magic on the circles, but he had a great team. They they, they were, Boston was Bobby Orr, and, and the supporting cast, and that's the reason, I think, more than anything. Although your your point's kind of interesting because I'll have to look at what the Bruins' schedules were in the early 70s in terms of how often they played and how much they traveled. There certainly wouldn't have been an extensive travel to the West in that era. So, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting I'll look at that. I feel like I've given Ron McLean homework. <laughs> he, he just did. I thought I had it zest on two fronts, and now I've got to go back to the chalkboard. <laughs> Uh, thanks for this. Always a pleasure. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, you make uh, you make couch and sweaters look good there on Hockey Day in Canada, buddy. Well, just if anybody doesn't know how great those are, it was minus 20. The wind was from the north howling. Oh. And I was toasty all day outside. And then I went into the studio and wore the sweater indoors. And I'm telling you, it's a mystical wool because it's comfortable. You're cool when you're inside and you're warm when you're outside. So whatever it is, Cowichan, uh, thank you. That was uh, Mig- Miigwech and Ennis Kumaton. Oh, there we go. Thank you very much. This is uh, a sales pitch. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, Ron. Talk. There he is, Ron McLean from uh, Hockey Night in Canada. Eat your heart out, HBC Point Blankets. Wow. Yeah. That was a nice plug. 
Yeah, no, that was a nice oh, plug. It's and the couch and blankets over the HBC ones. Um, I, I, uh, it's funny you mentioned as we got into it, and people not, you know, Ron being on the outdoor ice on Saturday and seeing. I saw a post from someone in Texas with the snowstorm they had, and obviously with a hockey background, saying, "I cannot believe we are outside and we're actually dropping the puck and playing a little bit of shinny." There's something to be said about. Uh, the ability to uh, to go out on an outdoor ice. And I know you said, did you not skate last weekend? Like somewhere down in Delta, there was some ice? No, I didn't. I didn't go on, but there were a few people that tried uh, last Saturday. Um, there was after the Arctic blast, there was there's a construction site just down the road. And then there's just an absolute uh, just a, a one giant like a, when I say giant, a massive puddle. And so. A bunch of kids and some parents had gone over and tried to. They brought their shovels and tried to clear out. So I think it sounded like the ice was kind of choppy. It wasn't great, but yeah, they gave it a try. They gave it a try. Get that ability. Get on the. I know it's happened somewhere in that in, in South Surrey at some point when we've had a deep freeze. There's been some farmers' fields where people have gone and played some hockey. We've done stories on it in the past, but no, it is that ability. And Ron makes a good point. The you know the poll question: Who's better, Sid or McDavid? And so many people just leaning Sid's way, and you have to because it's about winning. I mean, you know, if we were to ask who's the most exciting player, I think maybe those numbers are reversed right now for Connor McDavid. He may have the more exciting and the more dynamic numbers when he's done. But until you win in a team sport of hockey, I don't think you get labeled with the, you know, the greatness, the leader, the champion, right? Uh, all right, 24 minutes after 7 o'clock here. It is game day, Canucks and Jets pregame show, 5 o'clock this evening here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop with Joey Kenward and Corey Hirsch coming your way at 7 o'clock. We'll dive into the matchup and look ahead a little bit more uh, as the Canucks and Jets get set to collide, and we'll do that next. Plus, the tr- when trivia goes wrong, that story as well ahead here on your home of the Canucks. It is game day here on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Live in the stairway to heaven here on this uh, Friday yeah, morning. Where's this coming from? Nice. Turn it over to Balak. Balak, what's the method of the madness for a little Zeppelin here on a Friday morning? What am this I missing? one was just because I was feeling it, you guys. Just feeling, huh? I wanted nice to call. hear some Led Zepp, and that's what we got. You know, I saw Robert Plant in concert uh, about 12 years ago, and everybody there was there to see Zeppelin. Because anytime Robert Plant sang a Zeppelin song, people were standing up, people like yeah. joints, fired up, holding the beers up high. And as soon as he would say, All right, thank you, this is off our new album. And that boo. was, you just see this. Well, not, not so much a boo, but just a mass exodus to just go no. to the bathroom or go get another. You know, round. one of the. One of the better concerts I saw, a terrible storm in Edmonton once, and Don Henley had just released a solo album. And you're, you're actually looking, and before the days of social media, thinking, I don't even know if he's going to play. And who the hell is going to get the, the, to the arena to go see the concert? But I didn't live that far away, so my wife and I had gone, girlfriend at the time, and said, ah, let's just go. I don't know if there was more than 2,000 people in the Coliseum at the time, so, you know, a regular 16,000. And I can remember I just threw my legs over the chairs in front of me because there's nobody there. Had some beers going. And Don Henley might have played one or two songs from his solo albums. And not that they're bad. But it was almost like, yeah, you know, you're probably here for me to play a whole bunch of Eagles. And thanks for jumping in your car or however the hell you got here. And he just laid it down for two hours. It was fantastic because it wasn't, here's my new stuff. He goes, yeah, no, here you, here you go. 
we'll, we'll, we'll lay down some Eagles for you. So, yeah, it works that way. Who would have had in the uh, – if you were to take bets as to who was going to be leading the team in scoring, who would have Elias Pettersson fifth in team scoring uh, a third of the way into the season? Here's the amazing thing, and listening to Chris Wall. If you were not a hockey fan or somehow you are a fan and you were away and said, hey, man, what's going on with the Canucks? And you were answered, and this is why, to me, stats in the analytics, you put it away sometimes. Who's leading the Canucks? Oh, you wouldn't believe it, man. Brock Besser, he's tied for second in the NHL goals. Like, the guy's on fire. Hey, what did Quinn Hughes do? Oh, he's leading the league in points for D, man. Really? Anything else? Oh, and a Hoaglander. Who's Hoaglander? This rookie, top six, he's playing in the top six, playing with Horvat, and he's second in rookie scoring. Wouldn't you automatically think, where's this team at? Are they rocketing? Are they are they near the top of the league? But to your point, James, then it's, hey, here's the glass half empty. Pedersen, where he sits, right? Still, those, those headlines, Besser, Hughes, Hoaglander, gives you hope that figure it out now. Those guys stay consistent. The Millers and the Pedersons go to where they should be. Maybe this team can right the ship. Well, it really speaks to just how slow a start that Pedersen had to the season, right? Where he just had the the one point in the first six games, two and eight. You know, he's been closer to a point a game clip since the start of the season. But you know, Petey, at some point in time, I want to see employee number forty take over a game, right? And I, and I don't think we've seen that yet. And I know some people will say, oh, look what he's doing. You know, he's playing solid defensively. He's playing solid. Like, come on, man. Like, you know, this guy is supposed to be the franchise, right? And and the stories that we're seeing, look at Connor McDavid's doing. Look at look at Matthews and Marner right now with the Leafs and what they're doing, right? And, and you, you know, Sidney Crosby's still getting it done as well. You know, in terms of your best players need to be just that. Brock Besser's having a nice resurgence this season. You know, J.T. Miller, for as much as people have wanted to sit there and go, you're the weakest link, goodbye. You know, J.T. Miller's still playing at that point of game clip, right? 16 points, 17 games. You know, Quinn Hughes might be chasing the green jacket in the National Hockey League this season, but you know, it's 20 points. Um, you know, there's been stretches where Bo Horvat needs to be better. Uh, I thought he certainly stepped up his game a couple of nights ago. Um, you know, but, but there's Horvat with eight goals on the season, but Petey, 14 points, 20 games. Look, you know, we talked about this in the last hour pair with the Buffalo Sabres and a big reason why they're struggling. Their stars aren't, their, their stars are underperforming. And I think statistically, you'd like to see Petey start kind of saying, all right, it's time to own this. Let's see that Pep Pedersen from what we saw in the Stanley Cup playoffs here, because I don't think we've I seen that just yet. Two numbers that could relate to what PD's problem is, and it, it's not a problem. It's also what makes him an elite superstar. I think he's a perfectionist. He leads the NHL in missed shots, and he's got eight eight uh, crossbars and posts, four posts, four crossbars. To me, here's a guy who sits with the puck, shoots by himself, says he loves to practice, and when we all go, oh, that was great, what a snipe, man, bar down. I think he expects to have that puck on a stick and score bar down, Right. Thus, your post, your crossbars. Thus, your 20 missed shots, 27 missed shots leading the league is because he looks at a tiny spot and demands of himself that he can hit it. And that's a perfectionist. That's where he goes, I'm going to work on my shot. I'm going to get it done. Rather than, all right, let's just loosen it up. I don't have to be perfect. Hit the net. 
hit the net, and it will be good enough rather than being bar down and perfect. That's what makes him an elite NHL player. But at some point, you have to go, really? 27 missed shots? It's not like the guy can't shoot the puck. It's four posts, four crossbars. He's trying to be perfect rather than just, you know what, I'm going to start with the old-fashioned hit the net before I start picking corners again. But it's easier to look at that when the team's playing well and go, all right, that's okay. They're in line and their shift they had in the second period to get those two goals. JT Miller moving and being a little more regressive, move on that power play. I don't think the one thing that there's been a concern with, even in the last five weeks when the numbers weren't there, was that he wouldn't be able to figure it out. And if his team's winning, it makes it that much easier to figure it out. But maybe he doesn't have to be perfect anymore. Just start hitting the net and don't, you know, you don't want to have that stat. Who misses the net more? Patterson, really? Figure that out. Don't be perfect. Well, you look at that sort of mushy middle, and, and I think even the Canucks would be technically considered on the outside looking into this group. But Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, those are the three teams that they're trying to chase right now to try to hope that of those four teams, and I'm going to include the Canucks on this, you know, you got room for basically two of these teams to get in because I don't think Montreal and Toronto are being caught. Uh, you know, they've just built up such a gap, I think, right now where they're in good they're in good shape. I mean, at some point, the Habs got to start playing games again too, right? My goodness. Like, this is the second time already since this season started that they've had essentially a week off. So, But you look at the Jets here tonight. They've been very up and down for the last three weeks. You know, they got off to a great start, and they've been – just very mediocre you know you win one lose one win one lose one win two lose two that's where they've been five five and one over the last 11 games here now the Canucks hold that win already this season to me the Jets are going to claim one of those playoff spots pair I just think that there's too much firepower Mm -hmm. to balance itself out up front and you got Hellebuck that you know Ron was alluding to this a few minutes ago Ron McLean that you know Hellebuck hasn't been dominant but you look at his numbers his numbers have been fine. Like his numbers, they haven't been Vesna Trophy winner, if that's what you're expecting, but they've still been pretty good. And I think there's an edge there from a goaltending standpoint with the devil you know in terms of what Hellebuck can do, where I think you're still looking from a Canuck standpoint. It's, you know, Braden Holpe was good last game. You know, Thatcher Demko has had a couple of games in spurts, but for the most part, would you trust the Canucks goaltending at this point this season? No. Oh, I, I would more so than than what's going on in Edmonton. And if Connor Hellebuck can't figure it out, I would go there. And we saw with Jacob Markstrom, you're going to have to give him some rest and, and have Riddick win you some hockey games too. There's been no other team in the Canadian division that can use the term brutal as far as their schedule is concerned yet. The Canucks got that one out of the way early, and they paid a price for it by not playing very good hockey. But they will be resting at some point watching other teams play. Unfortunately, if you have not built up or at least moved ahead of teams like Winnipeg, who when they're done with this series will still have four games in hand, which makes it crucial. Like You can't go into this series and lose a couple to the Jets and they still have four games in hand and go, well, now they're, now they're six points in front of us. How are we ever going to reel them in? Um, you know, you got to make up some ground when you're playing against them. That's the good thing. It can be the bad side of things because you're going to watch some hockey for a while because you've played so much. And, you know, if it's an Edmonton against Winnipeg, someone's picking up two points. That's the difficulty. But I do think the goaltending situation next to the Montreal Canadiens from a Vancouver perspective uh, will be strong when you you got to play some back-to-backs, which many people haven't yet. The Canucks will have three days off at the end this time next week. In a week yep. from now, they'll have three days off, which which will probably feel like a month off for that team given the way that the schedule has gone. And then they get a full week off at the end of March, 
right? So there is there is some opportunity. There are some breaks in the schedule here that are looming for this team. But, you know, for the now, you know, we talked about what we were going to see from this team and have a pretty telling sign of who this team is after that 10-game gap for the road trip and the, and the Flames series. And at this point right now, they're a team that has a huge hill to climb to try to get back into the playoff race. Here's an opportunity, though, that if you want to try to change that and right that wrong, like right now, this team is a non-playoff team. And right now, if I have to put money on it, the Canucks are not getting into the playoffs. If you want to change that narrative, though, and create a little seed of hope and optimism, this is the week. This is the week. You got the Jets, you got the Oilers, two teams you're trying to catch, but you cannot you cannot take you cannot take four points and leave them with three. You know what I mean? Like you cannot no. take no. three you can't get three or four points and leave the Jets with two, right? Like at some point you need to to own these points in these four point divisional games, right? Like at some point you need to dominate and say, okay, and and the Jets, this is still a matchup that concerns me, Pear, because history would tell you, despite the fact that they won, uh, they've got the one win already over Winnipeg this year. Historically, it's been a bad matchup for the Vancouver Canucks. The Jets have absolutely owned the Canucks in recent years. Yeah, you go back to when Ottawa came here and they were on such a spiral. It's all oh, man, these, these games against the Sens, this could this could decide a lot of what the season is. Um, the fact is, we have said and most agreed, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Calgary, there is your battleground for who is going to finish and pick up that fourth spot, right? Those are the teams you're battling against, and that's exactly what you saw on the schedule. And as good as you can feel against the Calgary Flames and how well you played last week, you got one more point than they did. Like, you didn't make up any ground. You might have given yourself a whole bunch of confidence, and the guys are excited to go to the rink today. But in the standings, as I said yesterday, it's like, you know, any mutual funds that you had, don't look at what's going on because although you might feel good that things are starting to correct itself, when you look at the standings, you go, oh, man, this was a mess. And it's going to take a while. And to your point, you're right. You want to get on a roll? Get on a roll right now when it's Winnipeg and Edmonton. Put together that winning streak to offset how poor you were and get back in the conversation because we're stretching this conversation. I know there's people texting in going, like, man, rose-colored glasses. Yeah, no, we're stretching the conversation when you look at the numbers and go, how do you do the math when those teams have so many games in hand? Well, you do the math by beating them now, but you lose tonight or you lose a couple in this next stretch. Uh, you just there's just not a lot of time left as you're no, closing no. in on the halfway point of your season. Right? You've got yes, I, I get you've got a lot of games against both the Jets and the Oilers still, but you've got to take care of business here. And and if you if you leave yourself look, it's already a massive gap as it is. You know, it's a it's a critical yeah. week. I like the Jets here tonight. They are incredibly salty on the back end of coming off a loss. They're four zero and one after following up uh, after a regulation loss. They come back and they they've got a lot of salt. They got a lot of weight in their game. Um, let's see how it all plays out. Five o'clock pregame show here on Sportsnet 650 Puck Drop with Joey Kenward and Corey Hirsch coming your way at seven o'clock. All right, seven forty-three. Your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the clock. We'll head to Winnipeg and check in with Leah Hextall as well to uh, check in on how the Jets are faring. Very up and down over the last three weeks, but coming up in a moment, pair. Yeah, no BS, a little bit of PS. They're going to play some hockey outside at Lake Tahoe, but is that where the NHL really wanted to go? The answer is no. That's not BS. We'll load it up for you on a game day on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the 
It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Let's get into it on this Friday morning. Not BS, a whole bunch of PS going on in the world of sports. You may have heard Carson Wentz traded yesterday, Eagles, Colts. Debate Carson Wentz, how good he is. Is he overpaid? You make the decision. But I think sometimes as we talk about the athletes and expectations, we forget how they can make such an impression on people. Uh, Giovanni, the Philly sports podcaster, is a young 13-year-old in Philadelphia with a medical condition. He's a fixture around that Philly sports scene. Uh, He took to Instagram yesterday and spoke about finding out and what Carson Wentz meant to him. The news just broke that Carson is gone. And, you know, this hurts because I can't even put on his jersey right now because I just had surgery and um, you're still my hero. You always will be. Man, James, I think we forget, right? The interactions, the pressure that players have. This young man got to meet Carson Wentz. He gets all the big names on his little podcast that he has. And, you know, Carson Wentz leaves, but a lot of athletes, and we see it with the Canucks and Canucks place, touch some young kids, and, boy, that that's uh, that's worth so much to so many. Uh, there are certain elements behind the scenes that we aren't privy to what some athletes do, um, but he – Carson Wentz didn't necessarily have the best reputation within the room amongst his teammates. And I will say this, as a Bears fan, I'm kind of glad that they wound up going in a different direction. Here. Yeah, yeah, you leave it at that. A P.S. NHL getting set for a couple of games Lake Tahoe this weekend. The outdoor game, the Winter Classic continues. Yeah, Will Ferrell will not be there in the Elf suit, but actually the weather is dictating some things. They've already moved the time of Sunday's game. But the fact is, Lake Tahoe is not where they wanted to go this year. After Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup, all the NHL players involved with this, meaning not the hockey players, but ice makers, Dan Craig, off to Lake Louise they went and said, you know what, this would be the perfect drop back. Let's go play at Lake Louise. It's perfect. Lake Louise is part of a national park, which means sponsorship, the ability to bring in and set everything up, too many hoops to be done. So they will not go to Lake Louise, and Tahoe gets you some hockey this weekend. The um, yeah, Would it not be a better event with a whole bunch of fans, or would it not be conducive to have fans in a regular circumstance? Oh, like it's if, a better event. Were... Yeah. Like, first of all, I see it. It'd be funny to play on Lake Louise. I mean, can you put a certain amount of weight if you have fans in there? It would be more picturesque. You know, we started talking about movies earlier this week, best sports movies, and someone mentioned Mystery Alaska. If you go back, the reason the NHL started outdoor games, and this is not BS, it's PS, is because when they decided to film Mystery Alaska, they called the NHL ice maker Dan Craig and said, here's what we want to do. We want to do this movie outside. Can you help us create ice? And that was the first impetus to go, you know what? We could actually do this with the league, too. No BS, I, just PS. I've often wondered if the uh, the Rideau Canal would be a beautiful site for oh. an outdoor game. If you could set up, you know, if you could set up bleachers, temporary Stands bleachers. on the banks, yeah. Yeah, on, on, on the two set, yes, on, on each side uh, of, of the canal. And you, if you were able to get the ice conducive enough where you could create 
some event. I mean, I think logistically there'd be some hurdles, obviously, with any outdoor game. But I think, man, it would be it'd be pretty spectacular. And just with the history, man, world's longest skating rink, that'd be a neat story to do in the nation's capital. Uh, P.S. She's the queen of country music, and her state wants to honor her. Jolene, 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 I'm begging of you, please don't... Uh, Tennessee legislature wants to erect a statue, in their words, uh, appropriate or not, they're not mine. Yeah, hey, I'm just reading the press release. Uh, For Dolly Parton, a Parton responded and said, hey, thank you very much for the honor, but seeing what's going on in the world right now, putting me on a pedestal is not appropriate at this time. Maybe we'll look at it a couple years down the road. Good for Dolly. And what do, they want to do with it? what do they want to do with the statue? I'm not saying. I just I just said the press release says they're going to erect a statue. I mean, whatever is what it is. Uh, hey, in the, word, in the words of, in the words of the champ and our our friend of the show, Bro Jake, I says Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. P.S. And on this day, and in the last 24 hours, I thought it'd be time to pull out this classic commercial done by Canada's female athlete of the century, BC's Nancy Green. You've got to use your head at all times. Looks like you landed on yours. Hey, it happens. Here, catch. A Mars bar makes a great break. Every Mars has a creamy, smooth center topped with gold and caramel and surrounded by a thick layer of pure milk chocolate. Well, I don't know if every Mars has that. Catch on confirmed. Perseverance safely on the surface of Mars, ready to begin seeking the sands of past life. Uh, Nancy Green got paid one cent for every Mars bar that was sold in that commercial she did in the 70s. Eh, I think a few more pennies was spent to uh, land on Mars yesterday. That was cool. Did you watch it with the kids? I did not. Oh, come on, buddy. That's got to be a weekend viewing. Just watch the two minutes when it lands and you see everybody at NASA. Yeah, that's cool. That's our moment, man. doesn't feel like the... Uh the, the space adventures are quite as dramatic as they were, I feel, generationally. I don't know. Is it me? Maybe I'm wrong. Well, it's, well, by looking at everything they did yesterday and the technology, that was real, where the stuff in the 60s was in a studio in Hollywood. <laughs> 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 that could be BS, but it is PS on a Friday morning. You see, uh, did you see, by the way, uh, that story yesterday about how there's been two dozen COVID cases linked to a trivia night at a Port Moody pub? That's in your oh. neck of the woods, buddy. Oh, St. James, well, the, the St. James Pub, great Yorkshire pudding. I don't know how they came up with that. Like, how do you, like, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, like, you're allowed to go in a pub with a percentage of people, but uh, are, they, are they close together? Are they not social distancing? Like, could you not have trivia? But against the, the health orders right now. Uh, well, I guess the BC Alliance of Beverage Licensees says, well, we weren't clear until this week that game nights at pubs are not okay. If kids can't even like play a game outside yes <laughs> we thought that this was a good idea but like they've got what two dozen cases they're calling it a super spreader event from the saint james pub back at the beginning of february so trivia night's gone wrong tighten it up it'll be a question down the road three years from now which <laughs> pub <laughs> yeah which pub gave a hundred people covid <laughs> Did you try the wings? Uh, All right, your Canucks commute coming up in moments as uh, Vancouver will try to uh, make it two straight wins later tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. We'll dive into it. Leah Hextall will also join us from CJOB in Winnipeg. It's all ahead right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. 
They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. I think in the case of uh, Vancouver, I just really believe in their goaltending. So I think that's going to be the... And, and for whatever reason, Connor Hellebuck, Vesna Trophy winner, hasn't got his groove on right now. And until he gets it, that's going to be a real problem for the Winnipeg Jets. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. 8.03, hour number three on this Friday morning. It is game day. Canucks and Jets, Sabalski, Solkowski, and a presentation uh, this hour is a presentation of our good friends from Surrey Honda. Go visit Nasir and the gang over at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. We heard Chris Wall a few moments ago. I don't know anybody just yet who's got one, but the uh, reverse retro jerseys are on display for these next four straight games for the Vancouver Canucks. Basically, they look like the can of Sprite, right? And so I don't know anybody yet who has bought one of these. Do, do you know anybody at all? Like, Is there anybody who actually likes these? No, but uh, you, you just made me think of uh, what I saw yesterday driving uh... – Around in Coquitlam, a guy's walking by in a Nordiques Peter Stastny jersey, and I almost want to honk my horn. God, that's awesome. Uh, no, I, I haven't, but, I mean, we're in a situation where you're not going to see. I, you're poo-pooing this and have been for two hours. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on what I see as far as the image. I want to see, see 18 of these guys flying around in this jersey. I want to see what you know a power play looks like with five guys rolling around before I go, yeah, no, it's Sprite. You have ingrained me as Sprite, Sprite, Sprite. I'll probably have a Sprite and watch the game. Uh, but I haven't seen it by anybody picking it up yet. But consider the circumstances, I, I can't say that's a surprise. You know, it's funny. I went to the game when the Canucks played the Avs and they brought back the black, uh, the flying skate. Yes. And I, as a kid, I wasn't the biggest fan of those jerseys. But, man, when they stepped out on the ice that night, like, I fanboyed. I was like, my God, those are spectacular out there. I don't know if it's just a period of your life or where you learn to appreciate things differently. It's like, look at how the NBA has completely embraced those Grizzlies jerseys now from the mid-90s, right? And you try and, and find something new. I've liked the look a lot of the retro, and we'll see if the Canucks can get on it. Here's my it's problem. They... Yeah, my one problem with these is I didn't like these jerseys 20 years ago when they were the maroon, yeah. when they were the maroon and navy blue, right? Now, now I would say the green is better than the maroon, but I think I've got my back against the wall early on this because of the fact that, or I got my back up because of the fact that I didn't like these jerseys to begin with, and it's like, why are you bringing these back? Yeah, I mean, hey, if they play well, everyone's going to love it. You know, I want to get back to, you think about it, this will be game number 21 for the Canucks, and we heard Ron McLean, who joins us every Friday in the 7 o'clock hour, saying, you know what, the one thing I like is I like the Canucks goaltending, Connor Hullabuck is all Winnipeg has, and he hasn't found a group. But have the Canucks won a hockey game because of their goaltending? Have they stolen a game yet this year? I think Holtby's been good. He made some key saves at the right time. But I don't think 20 games in we can say they didn't deserve it. They got it because of Demko or they got it because of Holtby. They haven't stolen a game yet, which, you know, we know how many Jacob Markstrom has stolen right now. Mike Smith might have actually stolen one against the Jets a couple of nights ago for the Edmonton Oilers. But can we say that about the Canucks' goal thing? I think the answer is no. You, you could maybe make a case for Braden Holtby opening night against the Oilers. Um, there's maybe one. But outside of that, uh, I think you could make a case for Braden Holtby last game. Uh, you know, look, you, you got a lot of goals at the other end of the ice, and you kind of solved Jacob Markstrom. But 
Braden Holby made some big saves early and kind of set the tone. But you're right. Like in terms of 21 games this season, there haven't been a lot of games that you would say, man, they got the better goaltender tonight, right? And I think if you look at the save percentages for both Demko and Holtby, neither guy has run with it, right? We haven't established a clear-cut number one with this team just yet. Like neither neither guy, nope. like, I, like I would say that Braden Holtby deserves to play tonight just simply because he was solid last game and you get that sort of decisive result, you deserve to play again, especially if you've had a day off. But look at their numbers are identical. That's your Demko. Yep. 895 save percentage, goals against average of three and a half. Braden Holtby, 3.4 goals against average, 896 save percentage. Like these guys are mirror images of one another. Just one happens to be seven years older. That's it. And it is, you know, that might be a good thing. As much as people wanted uh, Thatcher Demko to draw, grab the reins and be the guy, and that's the plan, you know, as Brayden Holpe put up so many numbers that if he's exposed in the expansion draft that they're grabbing him? Like, I, I don't know. They've, they've both been okay. They haven't stole any games yet, and maybe that's just kind of an indictment of this team that the team hasn't really figured it all out, or when the team in front of them was bad, the goalie was maybe just as bad, not as timely with the saves. They've moved the right way. Holpe deserves to play. I think he found some confidence, and it helps when the people in front of you are playing better. Um, but maybe that will help them out in the difference. We saw Jacob Markstrom get tired, and I think Jacob Markstrom, without us seeing us, is probably blowing up a little bit in the Calgary dressing room. I, I, I know the Edmonton Moilers have won seven of their last ten games, and they get Smith back, but I still question what they have in goal. Amongst those, and if we feel it's Winnipeg, Calgary, and, and Vancouver, and Edmonton battling for that fourth playoff spot, I will say, I think the the Canucks likely have. If both those guys are just good on any given night, that's a better option than having that single one guy running it when they start playing a lot of hockey. Look, I I think the one thing that I I don't think that we should uh, underestimate, though, is the value of leadership that Braden Holtby has brought. Like, would you like to see a better save percentage? Absolutely. And, hey, look, some of that falls on, you know, the team in front of them. But, But just quickly here. Braden Holtby, you go back to that conversation when he was as public as he was, you know, the back and forth on the ice, the stare down and the Leafs debacle and calling the team disconnected. Look at how the Vancouver Canucks have played the last five games since that pair. Granted, they haven't won them all, but we have seen some complete efforts. Last Saturday, their best game of the year, I thought, against the Calgary Flames. And they followed that up with a decisive win over the Flames two nights ago. But they were better against the Leafs in the third game. They should have probably deserved a better fate than they did against the Calgary Flames in that entire four-game series. But Vancouver's been a much different team for the last two weeks. And I think you really have to look at what Braden Holtby kind of asserting his leadership finally in this team, feeling comfortable enough to kind of call guys out like he did. Listen, we know better than any city in the NHL, uh, it's tough to be a leader when you're a goalie. You put a C in Luongo, that doesn't work. It's tough to be a leader on a new team when you're pulling the puck out of your net on a regular basis. That was the first month for Braden Holpe. I would think Holpe, and I think even Nate Schmidt, it's tough to be the most gregarious and the fun guy in the room and the people everyone loves when your team is losing. And you're thinking of not excuses, but apologies. But for Holpe playing well, Nate Schmidt getting a little bit better and not having bad breaks. I think what we saw from the new Canucks was something that was subpar for them, and they're elevating their game as the team elevates their game, and that could just only mean better things for this team, we hope. Leah Hextall, 
Longtime friend, colleague, joins us here from CJOB in Winnipeg, who covers the Jets. Leah, nice to reconnect after all this time. How are you? I am fantastic, besides the fact that we're in a bit of a deep freeze here in Winnipeg, but that's status quo for Winnipeg, I assume. Give me a weather update. Well, first of all, we're out of our deep freeze, and that's actually what they call it, the deep freeze, which was about minus 40 to 44 with the wind oh. So, oh. yes, yes, that is what we're talking about here. But we can't complain because we had the mildest winter I've had in my life, I think. But uh, this February, the last couple of weeks have been a little, uh, the weather's been a little raunchy, let's just say that. <laughs> Leah, are there crazy people? Like, I remember when I lived in Saskatchewan, I went for a run once, and it was like minus 20. And it's still to this day, I'm proud. You bundle up. All you can see is your eyes. They don't freeze over. Are there people actually outside running in weather when it's minus 20 or minus 25 on the Red River or anything? Oh, absolutely. The other weekend, we had a long weekend here, Family Day weekend, and it's minus 44, and the river down by the Forks, which is a place where people gather, it's all frozen yeah. over. They've got this great skating path. It was jammed, jammed <laughs> on the river of people skating in minus 44. You know, you just get used to it and you live it. People are ice fishing. People are running. I sit here and watch these great troopers run by my house every day. And I think, good for you. Not this girl, but good for you. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Better you than me. Exactly. You know, it's exactly. funny. Like they, they tell you know you got public health officials saying stay inside. You know, stay home, and then you've got other people just with common sense saying stay home. Don't go outside. It's cold outside in Winnipeg. Uh, the Jets have kind of. You, you look at where the Jets are, Leah, and you know it got off to a hot start, and then you look at the last three weeks, it's just been kind of up and down and up and down, and just you know who are the Jets? I guess in your mind this season. You know, that's such a wonderful question because I really believe that this is a transitional year for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, they really had a status quo when it came to their lineup, especially up front. But what people have to remember is the trade of Patrick Laine, but not only that, the fact that Brian Little, who was their second-line centerman for multiple years, and the fact that he's on long-term injury reserve due to his injury last season, his removal as well has really opened up that top six. And we've seen some different line combinations going on. But really what we've truly seen is the emergence of players who have been through that draft and development system within the Winnipeg Jets, the Andrew Cops of the world, the Adam Lowrys, who are really taking on those substantial roles. You see Andrew Kopp now in that top six role, getting top line minutes alongside Mark Shifley for a period of time. And that's where he's wanted to be, and that's where Paul Maurice has now put him, and he's earned that. You see the emergence of Nikolai Ehlers now that Patrick Laine isn't there playing alongside him of how many goals he's received. I mean, he's in the top five or whatnot of goal scoring in the NHL. And these players have really started to come along. But that being said, then you have the new additions of Paul Stasny and Pierre-Luc Dubois, who we really don't even know what his identity is within the Jets lineup because he's only been able to play two games after his quarantine and now with a lower body injury. And it's kind of this mismatch of tons of talent. Tons of depth. I mean, when you look at them down the middle, look at how strong that center position is for the Winnipeg Jets. But yet, it hasn't been pulled together. And I think that's going to take that time because people have to understand there's been a ton of transition in this lineup. Maybe not a ton of new players, but players playing in different roles. But this is all necessary for the Jets because father time is coming for some of their players. And it's time for those draft and development players to start taking on those larger roles. But, Leah, I think a lot of people, when you hear transition, you just go, that means a step back. In Winnipeg, 
Yeah, it's obvious, and you explained it, but do they think that means it is a step back for the organization, or do you see all that talent, especially down the middle, and whenever Pierre-Luc Dubois gets healthy and, and can actually be a force in that lineup, is there an expectation that they might not be good enough to be a playoff team? Because two years ago, people are going, they, they might be the best team in Canada. They, this could be the next team to win a Stanley Cup. I don't think in any matter of way do they believe that this is a step back at all when i use the word transition i just mean for players transitioning into new roles that they need to adapt to and we all know with professional players that that takes a handful of games for that to happen and i think that actually they probably feel the best they have about their forward core in a long time i think this is the best group they've had in a long time because as i mentioned i said the word transition but i said the word emergence this is an emergence of talent for them you know you even have players like mason appleton who really got you know, the bad end of the stick last year with that crazy injury, uh, playing a soccer game, broke his foot. It left him out for the majority of the season and then the shoulder injury and the playoff qualifier. And we didn't really see him last year. Now he's sitting there replacing Andrew Kopp on that third line alongside Adam Lowry, and they found a connection. And he's become, in Paul Maurice's words, a pro. And I think this is truly, since I've been back here and probably in the last four years, this is the best group they have up front. Now, on the back end, there's still those issues. But I don't think there's anyone here in Winnipeg within the Jets organization that doesn't believe that this is the best they've looked up front in a very long time. Leah Hextall with us here on Sportsnet 650. You touched on the back end, and, and anybody who wants to hate on the Jets always says, oh, look at, look at all the losses they've taken, all the hits that they've taken and, you know, on, on defensively. Is it, it's not as bad as some people think, though. Right? Like, Pionk turned out to be a player in that Truba deal, hasn't he? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, talk about a steal. You know, when that when that trade happened, guys, I have to admit, I was Neil Pionku. I mean, I'd never yeah. heard of this kid. I thought to myself, oh my goodness, we're trading Jacob Truba for a no-namer and a draft pick. Yes, that draft pick turned into Billy Hanola. So that's going to be a steal of a deal for them as a defenseman with the talent we've seen from that young man. But Neil Pionk is the best defenseman on the Jets' blue line. He has replaced Josh Morrissey, in my opinion. He is doing it all. You know, you hear about a player like Mark Shifley and the way he glows about Neil Pionk, and that says something, because we all know that Shifley is that eat, live, breathe, Adam Oates disciple of hockey. And the way he looks at Neil Pionk and he talks about him, you know, five-on-five, power play, penalty kill. He is doing it all for them right now. And let's not sleep on Derek Forbert and what he's been able to do coming in on that pairing with Neil Pionk and what they've managed. A free agent acquisition by the Jets this season. His size has been an attribute to the Jets blue line. He's also playing those defensive minutes. Yes, did they have a little bit of problems with Drysaddle and McDavid against the Oilers? Who doesn't have a little bit of problems with those two elite players? But they have been so substantial. They are the shutdown pair. And I think the against the game in Vancouver, the fans there will be able to see them because they will be logging a ton of minutes against the top players against the Canucks. It will be interesting to watch because over the last couple of years, it's been, hey, the Jets have a lot of pop up front, but on their blue line dismantled over the last two years. And it's names that people aren't familiar with. But what was the saving grace, Leah, was, and we had Ron McLean on in the 7 o'clock hour, was Connor Hullabuck. Uh, is he searching right now to find his groove? You know, first of all, I will fully admit that I have empathy and compassion for goaltenders because I grew up cheering for one in my family, and they always get criticized so much when they're not at the top of their game, even though they won the Vesna the year before. Oh, it's, they're the problem. 
Connor Hellebuyck is not what we saw last year yet. Could he become that? Absolutely. Might he not? Absolutely. We all know with goaltending, and I think, you know, Vancouver has seen this through their time as well, that goalies do that. They have their hot streaks, then they have their low streaks. But I don't believe this is a low streak. I wouldn't categorize it that. I still think Connor Hellebuyck gives them a chance to win every night. I mean, look at bang, bang goals against Edmonton within the first two minutes, just seconds apart. They're down two to nothing. And then he goes on and closes the door. Yes, the team steps up as long, starts playing better, but he's always there for them. And I think that looking at Connor Hellebuck and putting that on him isn't really a fair criticism because any time the Winnipeg Jets have had success over the last few years, it's because of their goaltender. Especially last year, he held them in so many games. When you watch this team night in, night out, and you see how many games that they wouldn't have won if he hadn't held them through it, for not only two periods, but even, you know, 50 minutes before they got it together in the third, you would realize that this is, I would say, the marquee player on this team, that they need him every night, and he's still performing. He just might not be at that Vesna level that he was last year. So is the Hextall family all bought the uh, Penguin gear now? <laughs> I have to say, I mean, I don't even know what to think about this. I have cheered for the Philadelphia Flyers since I was eight years of age because Ron was playing. And even after they gassed him in the GM role, I still look at them and it's hard to not cheer for them and have an interest in them. But, you know, I guess that's going to be the case. We're going to have to start watching a little bit more of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. But uh, I, I won't be buying anything yet. Who knows? Maybe I know a, a guy there that can get me a discount. Uncle, on Uncle Ron, can you hook yeah. me up with a <laughs> Sidney Crosby jersey? <laughs> Autograph, please. Yeah, um, You it, weren't it surprised. Were you surprised at that announcement? You knew he'd be, he's looking and, and was going to be back at some point. You know, it's funny with Ron because the thing about Ron is people always think, oh, well, you must know. Why don't you, know, why don't you break the news? Ron tells me nothing. I mean, Ron holds everything so close to the chest, and I actually admire yeah. that about him, but that's also how he operates his team. So I know nothing. This time, though, he did let me in a little bit because of his actions. Because when Jim Rutherford stepped down, I just kind of texted him with the article, and I said, isn't this an interesting opportunity? He didn't respond, of course, because that's what he does. But that's how I knew he must be in the hunt. Yes. Uh, and then I had heard through um, you know, a couple of friends of mine who are insiders that he had a second interview. And I wrote him, and I said, I heard you had a second interview. I'm rooting for you. He actually responded, thanks. And that's when, in my gut, I was like, he got hired. And the next day, they announced him. So uh, yeah. that's I didn't have any inside information. But I tell you, what a coveted position. It's nice to see him back in the game. You know, yes, I have a bias. But I do believe that he is great at what he does. And listen, he's got to go in and be the GM. And in the same breath, I said congratulations to him. I said, yeah, buckle up, because you likely are going to be the guy who has to decide, do you keep or trade Sidney Crosby? You know, there's some real difficult decisions coming in that organization with, you know, having to start to draft and develop and fill the cupboards, which I know Ron can do. But you got Malkin, you got Crosby, you got Latang. These are cornerstones of cups. How do you solve that issue? So uh, good luck to Ron. Yeah, that's why you brought it. That's why you brought. You see, that's why you brought in a former flyer to be the bad guy here, right? To break yeah. up the band. Hey, if go. you're ever gonna, if you're ever gonna get a text from your cousin, by the way. Crosby's moving. Don't tell anyone. That'd be a nice little treat. <laughs> I have a feeling I'll be the last to know. Yeah. Leah, nice to catch up with you. Thanks for dropping by. Let's uh, let's do this again sometime, and uh, it should be a fun couple of games here over the course of the weekend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Should be a good battle. I mean, listen, these are two teams that are right there in the hunt for that final playoff spot. We'll see how they do tonight. 
You know it. We've been talking about it all morning. Thanks, Leah Hextall from uh, CJOB in Winnipeg, uh, breaking down the Jets. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. You look at that trade going back a little over a year ago, Pear, when Jacob Truba wanted out. You know, I don't know if the Rangers have gotten full value out of that $8 million AAV on Jacob Truba. And Neil Pionk, I think initially it was, seemed like such an underwhelming return for the Jets at the time. I think that deal has worked out a lot better for Winnipeg than people anticipated at first. It has. It, you know, listen, you think of all the teams in the, you know, in the North Division and what we have to see, and I'll be honest, uh, probably the Jets. I maybe watch more Ottawa games. It's a hockey team that it's like the city, I guess. Really, you don't really think about it that much. They are so good down the middle. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois' addition when he gets healthy and plays out with lower body injury, it's just you go, wow, up front. They've got some size. You'll notice that tonight. They'll bounce some people on the Canucks, something that we didn't see in the last four games against the team in Calgary you thought would be more physical. But I'll be curious to look at that blue line. And as, as Leah says, it's just anticipated there's your weak link. But maybe it's not that case. And the transition to have guys work into that organization and, and finally push through, that's what you want. You've got some solid leadership. Shifley is a wonderful leader to have. But if you have that, it's a hockey team. I'm a Paul Maurice fan. I like how he handles the media. I like how he calls the spade a spade. Maybe this team is quietly going, we'll just lurk in the wings and we'll see. But uh, you, like anything else, you can't go into Edmonton and lose series, and they can't come to Vancouver and lose series. But you just wonder if they have too much experience to kind of falter. And more character than I would say than the Calgary Flames, that's for sure. The encouraging thing for the Canucks is they picked up five out of a possible eight points in the four-game set with the Flames, but you allowed Calgary to skate off with four of those points. So not ideal for trying to catch the Flames in that sort of spot. If you're going to be serious about trying to jump into this race right now, and Winnipeg is one of those teams that I have locked in for one of those playoff spots, you cannot allow Winnipeg to come away with, you know, with two points or three points here, you've got to, you've got to dominate this series. You've got to take care of business. These next six games, two against the Jets here, two against the Oilers, and then two more against the Jets again. Here you go. Like, opportunity knocks to try to jump back into this race. All right, 24 minutes after 8 o'clock here. Don't forget, pregame show at 5 o'clock this evening here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop with Joey Kenward and Corey Hirsch coming your way at 7 o'clock tonight. In a moment, Joe Leary is coming back to Sportsnet 650, and he wants to talk about beer. Who likes beer on a Friday? You know who likes beer on a Friday? Everybody. And we'll do it next right here on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 8.30. How you doing, everybody? Uh, Mixed sun and cloud out there this morning, shaping up to be an okay day. Uh, chance of showers in the forecast later on with a high of uh, 6 degrees. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski with you. It is game day. Canucks uh, will try to take care of business against the Jets. You know, I, I will say this, Pear. This week it came up a couple of times where our own Satyar Shah on the program here on Sportsnet 650, uh, along with Harmon Dale from The Athletic, they both laid out uh, a pretty <laughs> compelling case about a buyout suggestion for Jake Vertanen. And it's kind of sad that we've reached that point for a 24-year-old who came close to hitting 20 goals last season. 
that it actually makes sense on a lot of levels that you just inked a kid for two and a half million dollars for two years and this happened to the point where it's actually not a terrible idea whether he gets exposed in the expansion draft or a potential buyout where you only have to pay him a third of his salary but man you know one point in 15 games for Vertan in this season it is appalling to see how this story has gone and the narrative for Jake Vertan where man this is on him like how do you respond like this this season when you've been called out by your general manager you have an opportunity dangled in front of you about potentially playing in the top 6 and you respond with one point in 15 games how often do you see a player have a great year when it's a contract year, right? And although Travis Green is the is the poker player and a former World Series of Poker contestant, you know, Jake Furtanen, the desire just hasn't been there. I think both Sat and Harm are looking at, here's the worst-case scenario. You just simply get rid of him, buy him out, and actually because of his age, they said it's probably not as bad as you look at the deal he has. So the worst-case option might not hurt as much, but the fact is you put so much trust in this young man over the summer that what you saw last year was in the regular season and the numbers would just continue to trend forward just like you hope the other young people in the organization would. I do believe Jake Vertanen will have a couple of good shifts and a couple of good games in a kind of uniform, but I think when that's happening, Jim Benning's automatically after every goal or every good shift phoning against and, hey, any interest, any interest? Because if they see something spectacular, even for a week on Vertanen, They've decided it will never be consistent here in Vancouver. Move them for whatever we can get. And the guys are looking at, hey, if they can't even do that, the worst-case scenario would play out like this. And it's almost palpable in a sense because the dollars wouldn't really crush you. Chris Johnston was on this station two days ago on Reach Deep with Dan Riccio and Randy Janda, which you can catch Monday to Friday from 1 to 4 here on Sportsnet 650. But our Sportsnet hockey insider, CJ, basically said that a Jake Deal looks more like it'll probably be a chance to free up salary for the Canucks. A salary dump for a 24-year-old at $2.5 million. Like, what in the blue hell is going on here? And how did we get to this? You know, and, and the crazy thing, Pear, is, man, Jake was such a lightning rod for conversation on sports radio. And when we had two sports radio stations in this market, man, you know, Whichever station you were listening to, there was probably a good debate about Jake, right? And, oh, you can't trade him. He might be Cam Neely. Oh, you can't trade him. Wait till he shows up in the playoffs. All those arguments, they're all done. I yeah. think, like, well, people the are tired that, of it. That, that, uh, yes, the, people have thrown in the towel on the team, Jake, and it's, and it's unfortunate. And the other guy, I'll tell you, the other young guy in this team where you would have loved to have seen a step forward, and when you're trying to figure out, I mean, this has been a good learning year, right, in terms of identifying who's legit with this core or not. And I think it's fair to say the answer is Jake Vertanen is not. And I think Adam Gaudet, we're starting to realize that Adam Gaudet's not probably long to be a core piece for this team. You know, he fits into the age group, but he certainly hasn't fit this year either. No, oh, I would disagree. I think Adam Gaudet's come around in the last couple of oh. weeks. I'm a bigger Adam Gaudet proponent than I am a Jake Furtanen. Adam Gaudet, you can see the you can see the compete level, you can see the effort. He, I think, has some value. Maybe they don't look for it in the organization, but I'm nowhere near the Adam Gaudet no shouldn't way. be in the same conversation no as Jake Furtanen. 
Come on, Adam Gaudet wasn't supposed to be on this team last year. He worked his way on. Oh my gosh! And, and what are like honestly? If you take the playoff games from last year where he didn't even pick up a single point and carried into this year, like what has Adam Gaudet done? There's a guy who's been battling a medical condition, finally putting on some weight, throwing his body around. You notice him on the break. I would not throw Adam Gaudet out yet on this organization at all. I think Adam Gaudet will have a lot of people listening if you go, hey, we'll put him in a deal. Boy, Jake Furtana and Adam Gaudet, that's not the same conversation. Adam Gaudet earned his spot on this team last year. Don't point to the playoffs where Jake didn't even get a start in that starting lineup. Gaudet, yeah, maybe the playoffs a different beast for him. Couldn't get it done. But he earned his spot. He's earned the right to look here and get a look with this organization. And you see what Sutter has next year. Is Gaudet that third-line center, or do they say there's someone else? Two both young players. One has had an opportunity put in front of him every year, a couple times a year, has said thanks but no thanks. The other's been kicking and screaming, going, give me a chance, give me a chance, let me show you what I could do. And, yeah, it hasn't been a great start, but it's been better for Gaudet in the last couple of weeks. Well, I, I'm glad you see it differently for Adam Gaudet, but I just don't see it with uh, with Adam Gaudet. All right, 836, uh, Joe Leary joins us here bright and early this morning. Joe has a brand-new show here on Sportsnet 650. You may have heard it before, but he is the host and star of Just Here for the Beer Radio. And it's funny, Leary, because I feel like the last time that you and I connected, we were just here for the beer. How you doing, man? I, I'm good, guys. Good to talk to you. Uh, it's nice to uh, be having a new home at Sportsnet 650. And yeah, you're right, Siebel. The last time I talked to you, uh, we were it was over a beer. So isn't that odd how beer seems to bond us? <laughs> <laughs> Old habits on die this, hard. Guys, on this, if you didn't know, the 11th anniversary of the most famous beer chug in BC history mm-hmm. with uh, John Montgomery winning his gold medal and grabbing the beer uh, in Whistler. Hi, you, you know what? Joe, you know what's amazing? This is, um, for me, this is really full circle because we started this radio show just here for the beer in October of 2010. Hard to believe we're now in our 11th year of doing this thing. But we started it on 650, which was then an old East radio station. We've been up and down the dial. We've been to the other end of the dial. We've been in the middle of the dial. And now we're back to 650. So it's really cool for me to be able to come full circle in the decade plus that we've, uh, we've been on the air. Joe, you, uh, it is funny to see, like, really over the last decade, or, or probably, the, yeah, probably the last decade, the explosion of the craft beer industry. And obviously, your show kind of dives into all of it. But what is what was kind of the watershed moment for this? Uh, where, And I think I remember talking to a beer executive a few years ago from Molson where they kind of suggested the numbers where nationally, I think the craft beer market was around 6%. Here, it's it's almost like 20%. Like People are very particular about their pints and local pints at that out here. Uh, they certainly are. And, and the funny thing is, is that when you look at the percentage of craft beer purchased across the country, I mean, the number is only about 20%, which seems incredibly low. But it's skewed uh, because, of course, it's bigger in, in the west on the West Coast than it is on the East Coast. It's starting to grow in areas like Manitoba, Saskatchewan, are starting to see more and more spring up as well. But when we started the show in October of 2010, the number of breweries registered in British Columbia was sitting at about 51. And over a decade later, we're now at north of 210, which is incredible. And I think basically what it is is that, you know, liquor laws have been relaxed to some degree. The government has seen that this is an industry. This is not just a little fad. This is not home brewers that are just having some fun and selling it out the back door. This is an actual industry that they can make money off, the government can. And more and more communities are taking pride in the fact that, hey, why can't we have a beer community as well? You don't need to be Vancouver. You don't need to be Kelowna. You don't need to be Victoria. You can be Fernie. You can be Enderby. You can be anywhere. 
And, uh, you know, the, the, the market is ripe for it. And, and again, there's, there's a market for every kind of beer. And this is what we talk about on the show. Um, I'm a guy like I use vegetables as a comparable. I mean, I like vegetables, but there's some vegetables I just can't stand. I like beer, mm-hmm. but there's some beer I'm just not even going to go near. But there's somebody out there and there's a big beer nerd community as well. And there's the, the crazier, the funkier the beer, the more demand there is for it in certain pockets of, of the communities. Well, uh, full disclosure, in the immediate family is a Labatt's rep and a Molson rep, so I feel like my back fridge, Joe, anytime someone's coming over and they're not right now because of the situation, it's, hey, try this one. And I'm always amazed at the different type. Like, you must be amazed in what you do with this show of the different concoctions that have come and been turned into craft beer. The, Perry, you're, you could not be more correct. And, and again, the other thing that's interesting is that even like the big beer giants, as you mentioned, um, there's there's room for everybody. They're not losing a lot of market share. They're actually encouraging more and more because it, all it does is it brings more more boats to the to the dock. If if you've got a beer community and, and all of a sudden you're competing with the giants, it makes the thing more interesting. And that's how that's what competition is all about. But there are so many crazy beers out there. And I and I use that term with respect. I mean they're crazy perhaps in, in their nature and their concept and what's in what's in them. I mean we've had things like, you know, you've got Tabasco in beer, you've got like salsa in beer. You, there's nothing chocolate. That you can't put in there's the, chocolate oh, beers no. now. Cho- chocolate cho- peanut butter and chocolate beers. Yes, it's, I saw that. Absolutely these these are not things you're going to you know take to a family picnic and or sit on the dock and throw them back. But I might. But, uh, <laughs> well, perhaps you might. As I said, there's mm-hmm. some crazy beer people out there. But you know, I always just say, if you don't like it, somebody else will. And this is the other thing that that you will come to realize, gentlemen, is that under normal circumstances, in a pre-COVID world or a post-COVID world. Uh, I would be in studio with you, and I would not just be talking about these beers. I'd be giving you these beers, and even if you don't want them, stock them in your fridge because somebody somewhere sometime will go, you know, I feel like a beer, and you can go, hey, I got something you might want to try. <laughs> yeah, you mm. always give you give the ones you don't like to your oh. to, to the people you don't really have time for. Uh, Joe, when's, uh, when's the show on anyway? When's it, when's it, uh, when do we get the uh, Maiden Voyage here on Sportsnet the, 650? The Maiden Voyage on Sportsnet 650 is tomorrow evening. 9 p.m. on Sportsnet 650, and as I said, it's it's really cool for me because this is the culmination of a lot of work, but it's been you know decade plus. But we're back on on our original uh, uh, destination, which was which is so cool to see. Nice to catch up. Thanks, I, I love your picture with uh, Bob Hope, by the way. Uh, you posted <laughs> on social media. How was Bob yeah, I anyway? Really dressed, I really dressed for the occasion. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Uh, there's Joe Leary. He is uh, the host of Just Here for the Beer Radio, which you can catch tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, uh, Saturdays here on Sportsnet 650. You know, I went through a craze about five years ago, pair where I was all over the IPA. More hops. I need all the hops. And now yeah. I just, uh, I, I can't touch an IPA nowadays, man. I have totally just kind of simplified it. I like, I like a scotch ale or something along those lines, but the IPAs, just I, I I overdid it for a few years and now I am just IPA'd out. Well, you mentioned the chocolate beer and stuff, and uh, like I said, in the family when people are over, the different I'm amazed at the different types, and I, and I find out from the you know from the families which one's moving, which one's not. It's it's crazy, the craft beer industry here in BC because if you go anywhere else in this country of ours, you know you got to look an awful lot harder than you do in Vancouver. It's what the wine industry was 20 years ago. All of a sudden, you know, all the wineries that pop up, you're finding you're finding a lot of craft beers coming up in, in the Okanagan, too, in Penticton, what they have. So uh, interesting, 9 o'clock tomorrow night, just here for the beer, uh, Joe Leary, as he said. Full circle back on 650. Here's, here's, my, here's my top three power rankings for beers, okay? Uh, love love uh, Innocent Gun. 
the Scotch Ale. Uh, love my Salty Scott from Parallel 49. Absolutely fantastic as well. You get drunk pretty quick, though, if you have too many of those too soon. Uh, and number three, man, Barnsides Farmer's Tap Lager. So there's there's my three. I would just give a shout-out to if you're if you're looking for something um, this weekend. There's my recommendations. Producer Mike English saying the Fieldhouse Sour Hazy IPA is where he goes with it. So. No, can't do go. the All sours. The can't enjoy. do the sours. Uh, IPA and a sour. That's just a recipe for me to say, uh, you know what, that'll stay at the back of the fridge. There you go. <laughs> to each his own, my friend. To each his own. Hundred percent. That's beer is subjective. Hundred percent. And Joel break it all down coming up on Saturday night. All right. Some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul show coming your way at the top of the clock. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet six fifty. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet six fifty. All right, 12 minutes to uh, 9 o'clock. The Scott Rintoul Show coming your way at 9 o'clock. Harner Ryan Singh uh, scheduled to join uh, Scotty, among uh, other guests, uh, which goes 9 to noon here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Canucks and Jets tonight from Rogers Arena. Uh, If you want a trend to kind of follow, uh, to keep an eye out for, it's how the Jets respond really well off a loss. And they're coming off one to the Oilers from two nights ago. Pair, the Jets 4-0-1. Coming off a regulation loss, I like that trend to continue. Give me the Jets tonight. Uh, they were the better hockey team in the last game against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, just didn't get the breaks that they needed. I, I, you know, I've stayed away from the Canucks when I think, what are they going to do? Uh, looking at even potential wagers if you're making a bet. I, I, I still can't figure this hockey team out. But I think they're a confident group when they come back. If you're looking for money, give up a give up a goal and a half and, and maybe take Carolina. I've got to respond to Wayne from Kelowna, who I can't believe we've had this Jake for ten and talk and where will he be. And Wayne, I, I can't uh, go into the whole text. It's long. But, man, when you say it's hard for a guy to show goal-scoring capability when you play for a team loaded with a strong six up front. Man, if that ever Jake for ten makes a phone call to Nicholas Goldobin and goes, you know, they never gave us a chance. Like, Really? That's all he's had is opportunities over the last three years to go, there's a void in the top six, man. They thought he had that opportunity in the top six this year. A kid from Sweden comes and gets a chance in the first game and scores and is so evident in every game he plays, he's going, you know what? This top six, you're not taking it away from me. Jake Vertanen has had that multiple times, and his performance has said, yeah, that's not good enough. We'll see who else is there. Oh, we'll go with Louie. Lick Goldobin, Jake Furtanen, opportunities have always been there from this organization. They have to take responsibility for not taking it. Could you imagine, could you imagine Jake as a player with the sort of tenacity and hustle of the a heart. Hoaglander? Yeah. Right? Like, it would, you know, a guy that size whirling around the ice? Oh, now, and I get, like, from a power forward role, I mean, we've often heard, I remember Michael Furlan alluded to this, like, that it's not sustainable to be out there being a buzzsaw hitting everything that moves every night. You know, Todd Bertuzzi's talked about it at length every Tuesday when he joins us here on Sportsnet 650, but, man, somewhere in the middle. You know, people texting in, if we're buying out Jake Vertan and JB will be fired. That coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text well, line at 650, I, 650. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I have to agree. Uh, you know, and you and I were texting yesterday. If if Jake Vertanen's gone, how many times can you walk to an owner's office and say, "I made the mistake about Louis. I made the mistake about Sven Barchi, and and yeah, this mistake was only three months ago. I bought into what he was selling, and it it doesn't make any sense. So, uh, we'll see. The one thing that's never been said about Jake Vertanen is, oh, what an engine he has. 
Like, you know, it's the old, oh, he's got a great engine. Never, never, never stops. Unfortunately, he does. <laughs> yeah, just it seems to be stuck in neutral too many times. That's the that's the tough part. Uh, Lucas, the fuel guy. Uh, Jim's resigning a Jake. Another example of his total lack of pro scouting and foresight. This guy is one step forward, three steps back as a GM. Can we please help uh, Francesco Aquilini to move past him? Uh, okay, it's a reminder that this hour is a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Go check out Nasir and the gang over at Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway. Surrey Honda, where you'll find quality and community. Uh, we got to get out of here for the weekend. Don't forget, 5 o'clock pregame show here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop at 7 o'clock tonight as well. Uh, the first of two this weekend against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, game, meaningful games pair. I'll tell you what, here we are in the middle of February, um, but there's an opportunity knocking for the Canucks to kind of jump back into this race with six straight here against the Jets and the Oilers and uh, the Sprite cans on display on the ice tonight with these reverse retro jerseys. Absolutely no idea if it's good or bad conversation Monday morning, but we'll see what the Canucks can pull off in the next couple of days. We got to get out of here. Scotty's coming up next for everybody here at Sportsnet 650. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Be mindful. Let's keep flattening that curve and keep it here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. They're going home. They're going home. Yeah, they're going home.